Welcome to the 332nd episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony, and this is the podcast about random things in the world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmatfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And we are finishing up looking back at X-Men The Hidden Year series by John Byrne. Um, I did it off my mind recently. And uh, we'll see what's coming up next. But... If you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gmanfromheck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or two. That's ko-fi.com slash gmanfromheck. All right, so is are we, have we reached a point where I'm supposed to stop saying Happy New Year? Or can we still say Happy New Year? I don't know. I, I want to keep saying it, but I know after a while it gets to be annoying. What is going on this week? So... As we we're looking into the, the second week or whatever, a uh, movie feature is Night Swim. So this was a, a Blumhouse production. It's produced by James Wand, and uh, it's a horror movie. And it has uh, Wyatt Russell, and it's <laughs> about swimming at night, which uh, I, I I have a connection to that, you know, because I I grew I'll, I'll talk about it later, obviously. But you know, growing up with the, with a swimming pool, and there's something about swimming at night. It is a little freaky, even though it's even if you just have a little pool, there's like nothing that can come in. It's it's one thing if you're swimming out in the ocean or a lake, even. But when you're swimming in a pool, there's nothing that's going to come get you. But there's always something freaky about swimming in the dark. So we'll we'll, we'll see if that. <laughs> uh, transferred into the movie at all that 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 energy with that um i'm going to talk about a, a couple episodes of, of what if the second season so I, I, I believe i think there's nine episodes that that came out and of course to my annoyance they 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 didn't drop them all at once but they dropped one a day for like nine days so you may have seen them already I'm always on the fence with 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 this show because the first season I thought was okay. You know, some episodes are better than others, and uh, the animation I, I'm I'm kind of on the fence with that. I kind of like it, and I kind of don't like it. It's like a little weird. Um, it I I think I'm I like it more than I don't like, but there's a couple things that I don't know. It's just off a little bit, but you'll hear about that. And then uh, we've got another Percy Jackson, and I'm still trying to catch up. On Monarch, so um, that's about it. So we'll see how long this episode is gonna gonna last. Trying to keep them a little a little more reasonable for New Year. We'll see. Well, yeah, good luck with that. Because uh, you know, next week we have uh, Echo, which they're dropping all episodes. I think it's only five episodes. I think it's a quote unquote mini series. I think it's like a full six or eight. But there's no way I'm gonna be able to do all of them at once. So we'll we'll see. And, uh, yeah, and then let's just get into the news, because I don't know, I feel like there's something else to say, but uh, let's just get started. So, with the news, oh, so last week, if you're a Doctor Who fan, you, you watched the Christmas Day special, talked about it last, last week, and it's not really a spoiler or anything, but there was one character, you know, so, you know, we were, we had the first episode with the new, new Doctor, uh, Nukuti Gatwa, I think. I think it's his last name. And uh, then we see, you know, his, his new uh, traveling partner. I don't know what we're calling him because I guess we're not really calling him companions anymore. And I I refuse to call him friends because that just, that just sounds so condescending. 
I'm sorry if if you're a fan of that. But his uh, new um, associate, whoever. So there, there's this neighbor, this old lady, and so I, it's, it's again not really a spoiler, but there's there's something up with this lady, and well, the, the spoiler of it is is when you you see when that the TARDIS is like on a sidewalk in front of her house, and she's like, what what the heck is this? Why is there this police box here? You know they don't even use these anymore, and then later she does see the TARDIS disappear and come back, so she's like, whoa, what's that? And then. You know, she sees a doctor run inside and stuff like that. And she's not, like, overly freaked out by that. Because then her, when, uh, what's her name? What was the, Ro- Rose? No, not Rose. Um, Sunday, I forget what the, 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 the gal's name is. Uh, Christmas Day, whatever. anyways, whatever her name. She comes out and the neighbor kind of nods, like, oh, you know, he's like, he's an Atardis and that. The the weird thing is the the very last moment. So this is a spoiler if you haven't seen it, but it's not really. It could be a major spoiler. I don't know. But at the you know, they take off, and then the neighbor, this other dude Abdul, he like freaks out. She's like, "Do you see that? Whatever." And she's like, "Oh, just relax." And he goes away, and then she breaks the fourth wall. She looks at the camera, and she's like, "Haven't you ever seen a TARDIS before?" So. I guess people have been speculating about that. And I, I thought it was kind of weird. And at first I'm like, is this just, oh, it's a Christmas Day special, a little tongue-in-cheek, and it's like wink-wink at the audience. But, but the thing is, she didn't know what that was. So apparently people have been speculating, like, oh, who is this lady? You know, maybe she's not just... I didn't really th- put much... I just I thought it was just something silly or whatever that they were doing. But some people are like, maybe she's a Time Lord, but there aren't any Time Lords. And it, it, it's not going to be a, the, the master. You know, let's, let's not even go there. Although I'm sure that's going to pop up soon, whatever. So the question is, who is this? Because it, it, she knew what a TARDIS was somehow, but she didn't recognize it as the Doctor's TARDIS. Because some people were speculating, like, oh, maybe it was, you know, someone in the past with a connection. Like, maybe it's uh, Susan. Because I always, I still wonder, I, I wonder this all the time. It's like, whatever happened to Susan, the first doctor's granddaughter? You know, if, if she truly was his granddaughter. And I just wonder if she, if they were actually related or not. I, I really need to look. I, I did look it up at one point because I, I always ask this all the time. I'm like, what the heck happened? Whether she was related or not, you know, if, if she was a Time Lord... Maybe she wasn't a Time Lord, but whatever happened to her? Because, you know, she would have lives to regenerate and all that. But then I guess with the with the, with the Time War, all the Time Lords are gone, right? All, all that, That's and he's the only one. But some people are saying, like, maybe it's Susan in a different life. And I, I guess with, with that, if it, depending on how long ago and, and how many adventures did she go on with the Doctor, because other people are like, maybe it could be Romana or, or someone, or not someone, I mean... If, if it's someone who traveled with the doctor, I know I'm sounding way too long on this, but if someone who traveled with the doctor, they would recognize it because it's it's been the, the police-shaped box for the longest time. You know, that's not standard TARDIS issue, as, as you, you're probably aware, but it's the only thing we've really seen the doctor use. So, so I, I don't know. and it, It's someone that has to know what a TARDIS is. So either... Either she's a Time Lord, she's some alien species that, species that knows what a Time Lord is, 
or maybe it's just we're making way more out of it than it has to be and it's just a little wink wink nudge nudge at the audience and it has no significance to anything but we'll have to see if mrs flood pops up again because uh that's it's uh kind of confusing <laughs> and if, if you don't watch dr who you're probably like man you just spent like five minutes talking about something i i know nothing about uh but what you probably do know about is uh, james gunn because he's always uh that's the great thing about him being in charge because he he's very vocal and you know he doesn't give away a lot of information but every once in a while he he shares some stuff which which is cool because you know kevin feige i feel is a little more you know keeps things close to the chest close what do i want to say something about vest closed vest i don't know but james gunn he he gets on social media and he he tends to share some information and he likes to squash a lot of rumors and i almost feel like he, he kind of does it to to squash the people who are making stuff up that like like no this is complete crap but he he did give some information about peacemaker season two because someone asked and and he says that the second season is halfway written i'm assuming they're gonna write it and then start production but he also he you know he has stated that he's not not going to start it until after superman legacy is done because that's going to be his focus so here's the thing he's in charge you know he's this high exec producer overseeing this dc animated universe but he's also directing this movie which you know that's not going to be a normal thing you know I, i'm assuming he's going to have to be directing less because he's making all these other decisions but I don't know, maybe he, he can handle it both because, uh, you know, obviously we want him directing as much as possible because, you know, he's he's good, but we'll see. There is talk about Margot Robbie as, as Harley Quinn. She had stated that she's kind of open to other people playing Harley Quinn, that she kind of saw the character as a role that could be passed on to others and, you know, so give other people a chance to interpret the character and, you know, she'd love to see what other people would do and, and so forth. But what James Gunn says that he, that there are no plans for anyone besides Margot Robbie to play Harley Quinn. And that's not counting the animated series. You know, we got Kaylee Cuco doing that. And I think there, yeah, there's another season coming, and then we have Lady Gaga and the uh, the other thing, which is that really Harley? I, I don't even want, don't even get me started on that. So in the standard sacred timeline of the DC universe, he there's no plans to replace Harley Quinn, which. I, th I think it's fine. You know, it'd, it'd be great if Margot's willing to do more, but we'll, we'll see. Um, as far as uh, some Marvel news, so there's this dude, I'm not overly familiar with him, but you know, it just means I, I know nothing. Brad Winterbaum. He's a Marvel Studios head of streaming, I guess. He, he's a high exec somewhere. It came to attention, you know, he said that we will eventually find out who bought the Avengers Tower. So it was in one Spider-Man movie, No Way Home, one of the Spider-Mans, where Avengers Tower was sold. And it seems kind of weird that they would sell it, but I, I guess if if Iron Tony Stark died, it's a matter of selling property and stuff like that, because who's going to keep maintaining it? And Pepper Potts, she's probably like, well, I, what do I need this building for? And it's not so much like she can't just say, hey, Avengers, whatever Avengers around, do you want this building or not? Because it's if it's in the middle of New York, it still needs to be paid for and everything like that. So someone bought it. And uh, the speculation is or the question is who, who bought it? I guess a lot of people are saying maybe Wilson Fisk bought it. You know, the Kingpin bought it. And uh I think uh, someone asked Vincent Donof 
Frail, is that his name? Someone asked him about that, and he's like, you know, he can't answer anything, obviously, but he's like, you know, you're the first person to ask me that, whatever. And he's like, that, that's interesting, whatever. So it would make sense, and, you know, that would be something that he would do because he would be arrogant enough to do that. Does he have the funds to do that? It's how much criminal money does he have? Because did he go to jail and then was released, you know, at some point? I'm trying to remember how Daredevil Season 2 ended. Obviously, he's out in the streets from when we saw him in Hawkeye and in, and uh, and he's going to be an Echo. So it, it would be interesting to see if he, I I don't know it, it would it, I, it would kind of be a bummer. I mean, it would make sense. It'd be a good twist for him to, to buy it. But then some people were like, "Well, maybe Norman Osborn bought it." You know, do, we don't even have have a Norman Osborn yet. Or maybe, you know, what would be cool is if Reed Richards did buy it. You know, if that's like the new Baxter building or whatever. But because is there a Baxter building? We haven't seen any signs of one. So we'll see. So he said eventually we'll find out. Does that mean an uh, Echo coming out this week? We'll, we'll find out. Or is it something else? I, I don't know. There is also talk about Daredevil, Netflix Daredevil. Is that canon or not? You know, that, that's been this big speculation. You know, we know Charlie Cox's is, is Daredevil. We know Kingpin. You know, it's a, we have the same Daredevil. We have the same Kingpin. Are they the same did what happened in Netflix, is that considered part of the sacred timeline? Or is it just a multiverse and we just look the other way and not really think about that? He said that he's he's confident in saying that the Netflix Daredevil is part of the sacred timeline. I mean, he's not Kevin Feige. I mean, who who has the final say? You know, I, I feel like Kevin is the one that, that could say that yes or no to that. But if he's head of streaming and if he's overseeing other stuff and by streaming you know that includes it's it's one thing if it's like streaming like on hulu or on you know netflix but if we're talking about streaming on disney plus that is part of marvel studios and all that so uh i guess that means that everything that happened in daredevil did happen so that that's that's cool i mean they, they mentioned the battle of new york you know many times so it would make sense there was some news about steven ewan so steven ewan um, I don't know if I actually spoiled who it was, but he's supposed to, he was supposed to be in Thunderbolts. He's not going to be in Thunderbolts now. He 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 says that he had to leave because uh, conflict of a scheduling conflict, and you know with with the strikes and everything getting delayed, you know Thunderbolts was probably supposed to be done by now, and then he probably had something else lined up after. So he's like, yeah, I I can't do Thunderbolts because I'm doing this other thing. That seems like a weird. Uh, choice. I, I mean, I guess it's it's what are you feeling more passionate or connected to, and you know what can you get out of? Because I, the way I kind of look at it, and and whatever, you know, who am I to to make these you know have anything to say about this or not? But with with pl- being part of the Marvel universe, and some people are like, oh, he probably got out while you know to get as good because things are a mess, and you know there's Jonathan Majors and their things are kind of falling apart or whatever. I I think you know things are gonna be fine. You know, it's unfortunate that Jonathan Major stuff and, you know, whatever, Marvel's going to scramble, they're going to come out on top, and, and things will be just fine. But if he signed up for Thunderbolts as said character, who was supposedly a spoiler, I would imagine it would be like a multi-picture deal. So that would mean multi-picture money. So he, he's he's walking around away from this you know, lucrative role. I mean, unless they're, they're not offering that much and maybe, you know, it's a smaller amount cause it's, it's not Spider-Man. It's not our, you know, it's not a top tier character, 
But I would think, you know, you would no- negotiate something while like, hey, you want me to do this role and you want me to do like a five picture deal or two picture or whatever. I think they, they end up doing away with that. They, they stopped doing because it was like Nick Fury's like nine picture deal. And they're like, we're, we're going to limit that down and kind of have you on call type of thing. Or, or they, they, they changed something. So maybe it wasn't that. But there's a potential of doing other roles and, you know, making more money. But I kind of wonder. So Robert Kirkman, you know, I, 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 I don't remember if I mentioned the character. But Robert Kirkman was on some podcast and he mentioned that his buddy Stephen Yoon, because Stephen is the voice of Invincible, he was talking about costume fitting for Sentry. And and everyone's like, what? He's he's playing Sentry? Which seems weird. Then he's like, well, I don't know if I'm supposed to say that. He's like, but what do I care? I don't work for Marvel. Which I thought was extremely crappy because he may not work for Marvel, but Stephen Ewan is working or was working or trying to work for Marvel. And the fact that he told Kirkman could get him in a lot of trouble. And then, you know, Kirkman just, just casually mentions it. And and that's the fact that he didn't care that he might be getting him in trouble. I mean, unless maybe he knew that he was going to walk away, so it didn't matter. I, I really don't know. That was a while ago. And he was talking about costume fitting. It just seems weird. So I, I, did he get in trouble? I don't think that they would say, well, hey, you... you. I mean, unless there's like an NDA clause. And they're like, you told... Yeah, you told another producer dude but he just you know it leaked it out so we're gonna have to let you go you're you're done sorry you know this is a major slap on the wrist so you know there's the door i don't think they would do that i i think there'd be you know some sort of reprimand probably but it just seems weird that that came out and now all of a sudden he's not because even if if it's a matter of doing something else i mean everything's been delayed so if he had something else lined up I mean, unless they're like, hey, we're ready to go now. You know, we, we had a, a February start date and we're, we're still going to keep to that February start date. And now I, everyone's ready except for Steven, maybe. And, and, you know, maybe it's it's something that he's really passionate about. Maybe, you know, maybe, I don't know. So it just seems weird. But then he did mention that, uh, that there was like talk after this announcement that, you know, he, he says he still wants to be in a Marvel movie. So it's not like... He's like, no way, I'm out of here. You know, I, I don't want anything to do with this because things are a mess. But he says that he he would still like to be in a Marvel movie. And you know, they're like, well, do you have any other characters in mind? And he he said he does have some like other potential characters that he would like to play. He but he said he didn't want to mention them because you know he he probably pissed off a lot of people by leaving. And, you know, which I would imagine because, you know, now they're getting ready to start production. It's like, oh, wait, guess what? Now we got to cast someone else. So, I don't know. It's, it's, what, again, what do I know? I'm not a Hollywood exec. I know nothing. But it just, it all seems kind of weird. But we'll see. So, if he's not playing Sentry, I think that's, one, I'm, I'm not the biggest Sentry fan. I, let me just, you know, I've, I know I've mentioned that. I, I feel like he's just too overpowerful. And he, he's just... He's kind of gone all over the place, you know, with whatever. And to introduce him in a movie like Thunderbolts, I, I think if you're going to introduce him, you need to introduce him like solo because there's just so many layers to the characters. And if you're going to put him in a movie with like an ensemble cast where, yeah, maybe we know all the other characters, but I, I just feel like that there's too much to introduce a, a character like Sentry because I just feel like there's just so much there. And, and I, I, I don't know, I... I 
I don't feel like Steven Yeun's the right character and maybe because he just seems too cool and Bob Reynolds was not really like a cool dude. And I'm, I'm sure Steven can play like a Joe Schlub character, but I don't know. It just, it didn't seem right. And, and it has nothing to do with the race. You know, I'm not, not thinking about that, but I, I just think that Steven Yeun is like, <laughs> now whoever plays Sentry, you know what I'm saying? You're boring. But I, I just feel like Steven Yeun is like, he, he could play a more interesting character. And maybe it's just because I just don't like Sentry. So I, I just feel like that's not a good role for me. I would much rather see him play someone that I like more, I guess is what I'm saying. I don't know. But who, who I, I don't know. So it, it's just very, very weird and interesting. But we'll see, I guess, what, what happens. And if they're, if, if it's, maybe they're going to just change things. Maybe they're like, yeah, let's just forget about Century because Tony doesn't like him. Uh, I, I don't know. And then uh, I believe uh, the last bit of news is also Marvel. Apparently, they wanted to do a what if Star Wars like crossover, but the idea was rejected. <laughs> and I, I think Kevin Feige is like, yeah, we should keep the IP separate. Not you know, so they they could do it. You know, if they really, really wanted to, they they could make it happen. Obviously, because you know, Star Wars and Marvel are both owned by Disney, so it's not that hard to get permission. You know, maybe just knocking on someone else's door and saying, "Hey, let's talk about this." You know, what can we do with this? I think it's a good idea that they don't do that because I feel like if you do, you know, combine the two, you're kind of saying that they exist in the same universe. And even if you're talking multiverse, you're, you're, it's like you're saying that, you know, a, a galaxy far, far away is in our galaxy. That, that is possible. And, you know, maybe it is, but I just feel like they've always been separate. And by, I just, I just don't think it's a good idea. And again, even if you're talking about like, oh, there's this one multiverse dimension where they happen to be in the same one. I just, you know, if you're talking infinite, infinite worlds yet and there there could be one there there could be a world where marvel and dc and barney the dinosaur are in the same continuity but i just don't think you could do that i i i feel like it'd be too distracting like you know what kind of story could you do and if you're going to do that just to do like like a 30 40 minute episode i feel like there's just way too much to just set up i mean unless you're going to do like a series and have some like big crazy crossover thing i just I yeah I as as much as the inner child fanboy or whatever would would love to see what could be done, I just don't think logistically it would be a good idea. I, I feel like it could be more harmful and like damaging both IPs, not really damaging, but just kind of tarnishing them. Like like oh, because then you know a lot of people, I'm sure so many people would complain, you know, because people are complaining about Star Wars anyways. Everything that that they're doing, they're like oh here they go, they're just selling out, they're just doing this so. It's probably for the best that they, they don't do that. And it's probably for the best that we get going because I've spent way too long on the news and there wasn't that much news. So that's the news for the week. At Image Comics, uh, I don't think I read anything at Image. There, there wasn't a whole lot, which was weird because it's like the first week of the month, but it felt like a fifth week. Uh, let's see, because we had Destiny Gate 4. I'm not reading that. In Hell We Fight Volume 1. I should read that because I, I started reading the first issue, and then I never finished the first issue, and then the second issue came out on the third, and, and I, I was, I was kind of intrigued with where it was going to go, but I just didn't 
finish that. And same thing with Click Click Boom. Uh, I was intrigued with the first issue, but then for whatever reason, I just I didn't get the second issue. I didn't read it. Um, but I'm I'm kind of curious to see where, where that's going to go. So I I would I I think I, I was a little more interested in Click Click Boom than in how we fight. But like I said, I didn't really give that a fair sh- shot. Um, then there's Love Everlasting Eleven, which I thought that series ended. Um, but yeah, and then there's Knights Number Four, Parkless Number Zero, Walking Dead Deluxe Number Eighty. I I need to someday read Walking Dead because I never there's so many issues that that I I've missed with that. So yeah, it's that that was it at at Image. Oh, at Boom Studio, I did read. Uh, I know it's it's been a while since I, I've read boom let me find my 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 boom um there's a new series so i was, I was like okay I'll, I'll check this out because you know i always mean to read you know catch I'm, i i got so behind on on the, the boom studios comics like you know something skeleton children I, you know, I love those books i just i need to get caught up so there's a, a new book called pine and merrimack and this is by kyle starks and fran gollen I really liked, I was really intrigued with this. So here's a synopsis because it's going to be do a better job explaining it tonight. And I'm also curious because I actually haven't read the synopsis. I'm always curious. Sometimes I'll read the synopsis after I read the issue and then I'm like, wow, they're really giving away a lot. So it says, on the corner of Pine and Merrimack is a small, unassuming town, just a simple place, simple people, and one horrifying secret that could change everything. See, already that sounds weird. After a lifetime of witnessing a horror that humanity has to offer, former homicide detective Linnea Kent has decided to put all that behind behind her, alongside her husband, former professional MMA fighter. I didn't know. I thought he was just a boxer, but maybe I missed that. Um, he's former MMA fighter and the unofficial brawn to her brains. She's moved far from a busy city to open up a quiet little detective agency. So yeah, so uh, there's something horrific that happened in her childhood. Her family. She becomes a homicide detective, but then it's just it's just too much. So she decides to you know she's like I'm done investigating murders. I just want to be a private eye. Then she meets this her husband where they end up getting married, and he retires, and then they open up the, a detective agency. And and I what what that might sound kind of like very simple or very whatever, but I I, I think. Uh, they Kyle Starks does a good job just writing the characters. He makes them likable. Like as I'm reading this, I'm like, I would l- love to see a series, you know, off of this, you know, like some Netflix or or something, because I I feel like the the way the characters are written, it's like I I kind of want to see this dynamic, and maybe it is a little cliche in some aspects, but I I really like the banter, or just the, the exchanges between them, and just how they handle. Like this one dude comes into their office wanting them to you know he he he's this rich dude and he wants he divorce he wants to get some dirt on his wife because he doesn't want to pay her you know his his fortune or something like that but he's like a total scumbag guy and just like the way that scene plays out i i, I thought it was it was really really cool um so it says at first the simple cases that in this nook of the world has to offer were exactly what she was looking for but there's more to this quaint Hamlet than Linnea could have possibly imagined, and something truly sinister pulling the strings. So um, I, I recommend it. Uh, it. It's 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 really cool. Um, I thought it's you know something a little different. It's five issue series. Uh, you should get. What what I I find interesting is the Pine and Merrimack. 
that's not the name of the characters. That's the, the corner where their office is. So it's like you're naming your detective agency based off the location. It's like, well, what if you have to move at some point? I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter, but that's what they, they went with. At Marvel Comics, uh, we had Amazing... Sp I don't know why I always laugh. When <laughs> Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, this is issue 41, so we're still in the gang war. And my my big question is, how is Typhoid Mary here? So, you know, it, she's on the front cover now, so we can talk about it. I, I kind of was tiptoeing around it last issue when she showed up with Kingpin. But it, it's I guess it's because I, I may not have read one of the X-Men. I don't know if it's Immortal X or whatever. Whatever the X-Men one where, with uh, Betsy Braddock and Magic, where they're like in the magic world, trapped there. So they must have found a way out. But I haven't seen any mention of the, those characters in any of the other X-Men book. So I don't know how Typhoid Mary is here. It's really weird and confusing and bothers me a little bit. But I don't know if it's my fault for not reading every single X-Men book or if it's at the fault of the Amazing Spider-Man creative team editor just doing what they want to do. I don't know. So we got her. And I'm not the biggest Typhoid Mary fan. She's a little, I mean, she's kind of annoying, but she's kind of funny, like, the way she's, um, she's presented here, and, like, during a fight, like, just what she does and says, and so this basically is, a uh, Kingpin versus Tombstone, and, um, I just, I don't know, really know how, I, I'm, you know, we're in the middle of this gang war, I feel like I haven't really sat and thought about how this is playing out, because, on, on one hand, it is kind of interesting, you know, it's it's a little grounded, you know, it's grounded more in reality, you know, with, with Spider-Man, you know, it's always like you, you kind of have two different levels of, of, of villains, you know, he does, he handles a lot of like street leveled characters, and even when you have someone like Doc Ock, he has, you know, mechanic, yeah, he's controlling him telepathic, he has whatever, just control over arm, but, you know, he's just got these mechanical arms. Vulture, just a dude with, with wings, Craven a hunter, it's just some crazy hunter dude that likes to poison his, his prey with, you know, drugs and stuff like that. So, you know, most of his, his, his villains are, they're not like cosmic or super powered, they're not even like mutants or anything like that. All his villains are pretty much they've acquired their, they use a lot of gadgets and you know stuff like that mysterio uses a lot of special effects uh you know scorpion he's got the mechanical tail and you know no one really has like supernatural ability you know he has fought those characters from time to time but it's it's always been kind of grounded so when you have this gang war even though some of the different mob bosses may have certain enhancements or abilities or gadgets or whatever there's there's still basically crime bosses that are trying to take over all of new york and it's it's a little absurd that you have all this and i, I think part of it you know you're looking it's like how is this possible when you know you're talking new york city where there's like a million marvel characters that live in the city it seems like you know there's so many characters there so many heroes but I, maybe the problem is because heroes have been outlawed, have been made illegal by that one law that Kingpin helped get passed. So I feel like if something like this were happening, that the heroes would be all over. And, you know, we're seeing She-Hulk and I think Captain America and, you know, and some other, you know, we got Misty Knight and Colleen Wing 
uh, you know, we got Luke Cage and, and Jessica Jones. Uh, I don't know if I, did I mention uh, Captain America Falcon? He's there. Is Steve Rogers here? I don't remember. You know, we, we do have some heroes getting involved, but it's like, well, one, where's, Fan I guess, Fantastic Four are at the farmhouse. You know, they're not around. But I, I feel like if if things, you know, we got Elektra, she's she's fighting the fight, and we got Spider-Woman. But, like, where's Captain Marvel? You know, getting someone with cosmic powers who could just, like, wipe out, you know, just blast away a street full of thugs. It, I, I don't know. I, I feel like with all the, the havoc and destruction and the, the dangers that you would start calling in the big guns. But I guess you can't. It's, uh, I, I don't know. And, and maybe, you know, where, what, what is the Avenger status at this point? I can, I can never, I never know where they're at. I, I mean, I guess they're independent. You know, they're, they're not tied to any government, especially when they're living inside a dead frozen celestial or whatever. But it's like, if, if heroes are illegal in New York, does that include the Avengers? Uh, I don't know. So anyways, we got gang war going and uh, Kingpin, I, I, I've just, I've never been the biggest Kingpin fan. And, and I, I know we're not supposed to like him, you know, that, but that's what makes him a good villain. But I just feel like he's just, he's just annoying sometimes. And, you know, he's this big dude and, and yeah, it's not, he's not a, a fat dude, you know, he's got muscle, but sometimes I feel like he's, he's like, he doesn't have superhuman strength. He shouldn't. He's, you know, he may be full of muscle, but he's not unstoppable. And sometimes I feel like he's just like way overpowered. And uh, I don't know, but we, we get this uh, fight. And um, I, I guess he's taking advantage of that. He has some Hellfire Club resources because, you know, he's got some of the goons with him. So I don't know. Uh, moving on, because that was too long. There's Beware the Planet of the Apes. I was going to check this out. I didn't get around to it. I'm... I'm on the fence with this and that's what made me i was like oh i'll check it out later but i then later became never but i i still may check this out it's an all-new prequel to the original film to the oh, wait, original beware of the planet of the Apes. see now i'm getting starting to get confused i i would have to sit down and figure like what are the i i can't keep track of all the names of the movies because you know we had the original movies and then you know we got the the newer movies and so now beware the planet of the apes i don't think like, I, I can't even tell you what the name of the next movie coming out. You know, we had one trailer for it. If it's to the original film, does that mean it has nothing to do with the current movie continuity? Which is an interesting choice because the last Planet Ape, you know, the, I thought it was still going, but the Planet Apes comics that we had was in the movie continuity. And it was like kind of, you know, bridging things in between. So now, now I'm really curious about this. Now I do want to check that out. So I'll probably do that later. Captain America issue five. Um, I'm I'm still on the fence with with this series. I I'm enjoying it, but I I just feel like sometimes it's weird. You know, it's J. Michael Straczynski, who I have a lot of respect for as as a writer. You know, he, he's 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 been doing this for 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 a little bit, but I I feel like the way he writes Captain America sometimes just. He, it's like Captain America is like younger than he, you know, he's, he's an old dude. He's old school. And I don't know, like there's a whole thing, you know, Dr. Strange gave uh, Misty Knight this like action figure, figurine of, of himself that he's able to like channel his 
persona in or whatever it's it's kind of like a way to communicate with him if he's off somewhere else he can kind of like split his consciousness or whatever and offer her advice or maybe do whatever they're talking to him but captain america he keeps calling him a doll and all this he's just very i i just feel like his whole reaction i i feel like he would be more open-minded to that and and there's also the, the fact that dr strange has been on the avengers for a while with captain america right and they don't seem like overly chummy with each other. Uh, I don't. I don't know. There's just, but whatever. So we we got the story, and uh, it it's. I I do like how they're telling stories in the past and the present, and you know they're not really mirroring each other, but there is some sort of connection with the vibe and, and stuff. What's going on? But Captain America's fighting this demon-based entity. And that just seems weird how he's handling that and that, you know, he's kind of like insisting on doing it alone or, you know, whatever he's going to do, what he has to do, because whatever. And it just, I don't know, sometimes it just, it, it feels a little off, but what, what do I know? Then we have Doctor Strange issue 11, and this is basically Doctor Strange and Clea babysitting Clea's uh, little sister now that was just born from her her evil mother and uh whatever the other dude and um her sister has magical abilities because she's a being of whatever powers and that so a lot of a lot of baby magic shenanigans basically and it, it was a, a wheels have bats you know he, he the dog he's he's ghost dog he's in this as well so that, that was fine i enjoyed it and then uh we have fall of the house of x which I guess is the name of the series. At first I thought it was just like X-Men, but it's like, I can't keep track of all the names of the different books. We're, we're moving forward. This isn't an X-Men book, but it's like, I guess is, I think there's a, a, t- a checklist for this. And, and uh, you know, we're, we're moving things forward. It, I, I still think it's it's very extreme with how the world is has turned against mutants and they're they're seeing them as an invasive species is what they're calling them. But like Cyclops is supposed to go on trial in Paris, the same place where Magneto went on trial and like, uh, uncanny X-Men 200. Right. And, you know, he, he, he's Cyclops is talking about, he's like, I was born in the United States. Like, don't I have rights? It it just seems weird that he had human parents, right? They were both human. And then because he has a little, change in his, his a gene they're considering like oh he doesn't have human rights that that just seems weird it's like saying that if someone was born with a like some sort of deformity that they don't have human rights because that that just seems dumb but that's how humanity is i guess and uh yeah so they're, they're trying to make their stand you know can they free him and it's just this this battle is getting worse and worse uh but th- there's some like extreme moments here like colossus is he's he's a little unhinged uh, he's just going all overboard uh fantastic four issue 15 this this series is is the main reason why i did that off my mind about time so we're at issue 15 and uh last issue to issue before a year would have have had gone by and that's my my big problem is you're saying that like basically 12 issues you're saying a year in our time is a year in comics time and i 
you can't you cannot do that in the Marvel Universe no the Baxter building is supposed to return with everyone that was sent a year forward into the future but something is preventing that where did it go what's going on and then there's this AI entity thing that has kind of come to life and it's yeah creating all this this problem and what what are they going to do and yeah so it's a it's it's kind of interesting I wasn't super crazy about the premise last issue but with this issue I I was a little more intrigued with how like the developments of the you know this being this thing happened uh kid venom origins nope no way marvel meow um i i'm kind of curious about this i didn't read this uh i i yeah maybe someday i'll check that out uh marvel zombies not reading spider-man miguel o'hara spider-man number one so i I just i I was reading this i was like wow i'm surprised spider-man 2099 doesn't have a series considering you know across the spider-verse and everything like that but then i was like oh no wait he did have some series and i for whatever reason i just i couldn't get into him so here we have miguel and again i there's just some some like vibe something i I don't know i mean i really like the 2099 universe when it first started but i'm just i can't get into it for some reason and here we have a story beware the zombie of 2099 so there's like basically like this sort of zombie outbreak and uh miguel's mom is here and apparently she finds out it's like does everyone know that miguel is is spider-man it seems like you know so many people know but she gets infected so he has to deal with this zombie problem and it was an okay um story i was like all right then there was okay silver surfer i'm not i i should go back and read this at some point rebirth legacy because it's you know ron mara than ron, ron Lim, so it's, that's got to be good uh star wars darth vader issue 42 i i wasn't i wasn't totally digging this issue you know so the, the droid stuff is over thank goodness um that was all fine but now it's just a matter of it, it seems like darth vader kind of powered he kind of leveled up a little bit with during that that droid thing where he was able to kind of control some of the droids himself and when the emperor finds out about this he's like oh he's he's gained more powers like that's not good you know he needs to be stopped and it's weird because it really feels like the emperor wants to take out darth vader even though he's supposed to be his loyal you know whatever right hand man but you know he's like doing all this scheming and whether it's to I don't know. It's like it's it's hard to to gauge like where is he really at with this? And and I know the Sith never trust each other and all that, but yeah, it just seems weird that because if he takes, I guess he could always find someone else to he does has contingency. Who knows? Um, Thanos smash of Titans. I, I wasn't super crazy about this issue. So we got Thanos, and whenever there's, I mean, I I dig Thanos, but whenever we have Thanos in a comic, I never know where it's where we're at. <laughs> you know, what what continuity are we in continuity or not? Because it feels like he's died so many times. He's he dies, and then he's in another issue. It's like, wait, did he die or did he somehow come back? What is going on? So here we have Thanos, and I remember, you know, with his obsession with death. 
I don't remember what issue or what story, but there was a death in the form of a girl, kind of like this goth girl, young girl named Mary. And so now he's on Earth and he's seeking out Mary because Mary is supposed to be death or like a persona or like a guise that death has taken or whatever. So he <laughs> he decides to take the entire city of Fresno he just yanks it out of Earth, and it's like out in space, kind of like Secret Wars, Battle World style. And he's he's looking for this girl, Mary. Some uh, the, the current Illuminati, which has Emma Frost instead of a Charles Xavier, they're like, well, we need to put a stop to Thanos and everything. We need to stop this. And it's interesting because it's at first I'm like, wait, okay, so is this not continuity? Is it? Is it? But they do mention Emma's like, well, do you want some sort of disguise? Because given your current, you know, status, it might not be safe for you to be out there, you know. And she's like, oh, it doesn't matter. This should be quick. So it's like, okay, it isn't supposed to be in continuity. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think the the issues I have one, <laughs> there's one point where Thanos is like, oh, I need to get over to this other place. So he he kind of like rips the ceiling off of like a pickup truck, and he's he's driving a pickup truck it's like so i guess thanos can drive a, a car uh and maybe it was manual i don't know so he had no problem but then the other thing is the way he was referring to characters like like when he was talking to emma frost he called her like frost like he knows her name i feel like thanos would feel like so above these other characters that he wouldn't care what their names are he may know Iron Man, maybe he would know Captain America, but it's like, would he know Captain America is, is Steve Rogers? Like, would he call him Rogers? I, I don't feel like he would care what his name is. Just like, I don't think he would care that Iron Man was Tony Stark. He's like, okay, this is Iron Man. This is whoever. But there, there's, he called someone else, I'm trying to remember by their name, and I just, I don't feel like he would know their names or care what their names are. So... And then uh, you can see on the cover, we have Hulk. Um, he, I don't know if he called Hulk Banner or not, which is another thing that's just kind of weird. It's, it's, another thing that's weird is Venom. Venom 25. So I, I started reading this. I was like, oh, okay, is Black Widow still in this? I, like, what is going on? And then you look at the cover. It's like, who are, what, what is happening? So <laughs> after like, the first main page, you got this dude. It looks like if you, if you ever watched Nightbreed, Clyde Barker's Nightbreed, a movie I, one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, if you know, remember what Baffle May looked like, he has like the head weird sp things going off. So you got this character in black with these like, head spikes. It reminds me of that, but not quite the same. It's got this weird design, a uh, circle dagger weird thing on there. And it's like, wait, who, who, who is this? Is this Eddie Brock? And it's like, I, I'm, I'm so lost. So he's, Eddie Brock is still a king in black, but because I've been reading and which is my fault, I, it's just, wait, what's going on? Cause there's been traveling through time and other Eddie Brock sending him another, I don't even know what's happening here. So I was like trying to read this and I'm just like, one and then I start it's like there's just too many symbiotes and I don't know if I have like an allergic reaction it's just like there's just too much I can't handle it and I'm just getting like uh, war to symbiotes or maximum carnage I'm like no there's too much I, I can't handle that so I didn't couldn't read that and uh, it's weird because I used to like Venom back in the day 
and and maybe it's more that I, I liked Black Suit Spider-Man. I thought that was cool, and I could tolerate Venom, but then it just got annoying, and then I just hate Carnage, and I hate all the other symbiotes. There's just too many. So, I don't know, but I, I, I'm going to keep trying. Every once in a while, I'll, I'll go back, but then I'm just more and more confused because I have no idea what's going on. But see, comics shouldn't be like that. I you know I mentioned this uh, I th I think on the the last you know when I did an off my mind you know people I, when I was at Comic Vine people would always be like I want to read X Men what issue should I start and I'm always like just just jump right in you know because you you can't say oh what's in the middle of a story or this story I just started I'll wait till next it's like there's always gonna be something coming up. And especially, you know, using X-Men for an example, there's always, you know, back, especially in the Chris Claremont days, you know, there's always these long forming plot lines that would just start off and then it'd be like 18 months later, something gets picked up. So I feel like you, you can't just sit back and wait because there's always going to be something else brewing and developing and picking up from somewhere else. So I say, you know, if you want to read an ongoing series, you just need to jump in. And then try to pick up, you know, read some wiki articles maybe, or just, you know, try to pick up some back issues. But you might be a little confused, but each issue should have enough whatever, you know, it, it, it each issue, the, the writers, the creative teams should be aware that each issue could be someone's potential first issue. So it has to be new reader friendly, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to do like 10 page, you know, half the issue of recaps. So it makes sense, but it should be new reader-ish enough, you know, friendly so someone can say like, oh, wait, what's going on? Okay, I, I kind of get this. And, you know, sometimes you'll see little editor's notes. They'll say like, oh, check out this story arc. So then if someone doesn't know or like, what does this mean, they can go check that out. But with <laughs> with this issue of Venom, I have no idea what's going on. And part of me is like, eh. Uh, then we have Vengeance of the Moon Knight, number one. And uh, this is picking up from the last issue of Moon Knight, the Death of Moon Knight, or Final Days, or whatever. Uh, we do see the characters kind of continuing the you know Midnight Mission with uh, without Mark Spector since he's no longer there. Uh, we we do see it, it's weird because they talk about how he's he sacrificed himself to save the entire city. Then I'm like, why doesn't he get any recognition for this? It's like, where were all the other heroes? No one else could do anything about it. It was like this one dude that everyone turns their back on. And, you know, he's dead. And where were the Avengers? Where were the Fantastic Four? Where is Daredevil? Where is anyone? Um, but we do see some people do pay to, you know, to respect. So it's like, okay, that that's 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 fine. That's cool. And as they carry on, but then like, like wait, who is this Moon Knight? Is this someone else? Like what's going on? And I, I don't even want to hint at anything, uh, you know, like last page spoiler cliffhanger, but it's just like, hmm, because you know you look at that cover, it's like that doesn't look like a regular Moon Knight. It's like what are those uh, double? What, what I don't even know what you call that blade. And he's got like what three moons on his moons on his arms, and what's going on? Is he glowing? Is he not? So uh, it's um. I Mark Spector better be back at some point. Whether he's back now or he'll be back later, I I don't know, but we'll see. But I did I was I was like, I'm gonna hate this issue. I'm not I'm gonna quit reading. 
I, I was intrigued enough because, you know, it is so thank, thankfully it is still Judd McKay. So, you know, we do have Reese, we do have Tiger, you know, we have other characters, you know, they're, they're still, it's still continuing. And for all intents and purposes, they should have kept the numbering going. I get why they want to renumber it. You know, it's just whatever. So it's, it feels like it's, it's still the same series. So that's good because uh, Judd McKay has been doing a good job. Over at DC, we had uh, Batman 141. We still have Batman versus Failsafe. Batman versus Zer and R, whatever. This feels like it's been going on for 141 issues. It hasn't been that long, but it it's just keep, keeps going. And um, there's some, you know, interesting aspects. We're seeing, you know, how, you know, Batman, his thinking and with his being so like cautious about everything and it's just how it's like kind of backfiring on him and everything but it's just it's just going forever and uh yeah we'll see uh shazam issue seven this was uh i didn't like this as much as some of the previous ones and i think because it's it's i i feel like the, the things are being kind of limited with like what shazam can do what billy batson is allowed to do and by limit is just like the circumstances of, of you know, the storyline and whatever. So the first part of the series, I mean, it was kind of interesting with like the gods wanting control, you know, feeling the, you know, like they're being neglected or forgotten, everything like that. So they wanted to try to take control of Shazam and everything, and and they didn't have the best of intentions and stuff like that. But all that's kind of been settled. But then uh, we got those like space dinosaurs are kind of causing problems, and we got Black Adam. Uh, mixing it up with them and that's causing some problems and, and uh, there might be some problems for the family and everything. So I, I maybe I feel like there's like too many problems happening, but you need probably you need the conflicts to drive the story. I, I get that, but sometimes it's I feel like it's too much. Birds of Prey, uh, issue five. So uh, no Leonardo Romero on this issue. Uh, I, you know, guess he's taking a break after four issues. Hopefully he'll be back soon I, I haven't looked at the solicits so i don't know if he's back on six or seven whatever uh the art here i oh i don't have my thing with me um i don't remember who did the art it was it was good art but i feel like it was almost a little too stylized compared to i mean it, it's it's definitely different from leonardo's art it's not bad you know, I, I don't want to say that, but it's, it's just vastly different, which is fine. You know, artists should have their own style and, and it shouldn't be like, oh, try to you know do the same thing. But you think, you know, get, try to get someone sort of similar because I, I feel like some parts were just a little too much. I don't know. Uh, but the story's continuing. You know, they're, they're still trying to save Black Canary's sister and, you know, fighting the Amazons. And then uh, things kind of get worse where... I shouldn't say, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm, I'm really enjoying this series. I'll say that, uh, Neil before Zod issue one. Uh, I don't know wh what, what this is about, <laughs> what's going on here. Cause at first when I'm reading this, I'm like, is this a prequel? You know, is this a before Krypton blew, blew up? But then I, I was like, wait, maybe this is after, is this a current continuity? Cause then we have, Zod has a kid, and then he has like another. I think Ursa, his wife, has another kid coming. And like, where is this going on? And then you know, there's a bottled city of Candor, and there's new Candor. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm so confused with with this. And uh, 
if it's I, I the other thing is like who's asking for a general zod series you know you got this like the bad guy of krypton why do i want to read about a bad guy and i just yeah i'm, I'm kind of confused uh let's see titans beast world tour atlantis i did not read that i should have read that but i didn't superman 78 and is that trade i haven't been reading that fire and ice uh i've been reading this is this wait was this a whole issue or is this a i think it was a ish, next issue uh, yeah I don't, I don't really know how i feel about the series you know i i've been okay with the series i i feel like it's not directed towards me but i don't know who it's directed towards because it's it's just it's really weird um i guess that's all i read it at at dc because i so i didn't read that i probably will try to check that out at some point if i remember um poison ivy issue 18s i'm not reading that blue beetle i, have, I should be reading that um, but yeah that was it at dc so um that was it i, I feel like i've I spent a lot a lot of time talking about comics even though there wasn't that many comics this week but that is going to be comics let's move on that's comics for weeks all right with a monarch season one episode seven man so this this is probably almost over now because i'm like what two weeks behind because i know there was a new episode this past week so maybe that was the ninth uh will the real may please stand up oh it's the first shot um first scene there's a shot of the helicopter wreckage sand starts moving and at first it's like is it a titan nope it's friggin tim I, I think I've been calling him Todd. I think I might have accidentally called him Todd the last episode at some point. But I'm pretty sure his name... I think his name is Tim. And again, I'm horrible with names. So he's he managed to survive. He's the only one among all these highly trained monarch field soldiers. And he's the only one in the helicopter to survive. I'm like, oh, give me a break. Although I do have to say I will spoil. As if you watch, you already know. he He's a little better this episode. So he kind of redeems some things. Uh, so then it's uh we're in tin 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 Algeria and I don't know if they're I think they're like they're like at air, airport Kate asked Kentaro you know what he thinks dad was doing out there and he's like I don't know and she's like I mean he's not working for monarch any, anymore so so what chasing Godzilla on his own and why what you know for fun so Kentaro's just like you know I've never flown first class do you think we'll get one of those pods and she's like pods she's like who gives a poop about pods and he's like, well, who gives a poop about him? He took one look at us and ran away. And she's like, well, maybe he was trying to get away from Godzilla. And he's like, and left us behind to get stomped on? How's that better? At least I got a first-class plane ticket out of May for screwing us over. And Kate's like, where is she? She went to the bathroom like 40 minutes ago. And he's like, well, what do you expect? You told her to stay the hell away from you. So they, they get up to look. I was like, here's a guy... There were, I don't know how long or whatever, but it's like they were kind of romantically involved. And then I don't know what fizzled out in the relationship, but he's just kind of a jerk about the whole thing. So in the bathroom, we see Mae's like <clears throat> splashing water in her face and everything. And then two people walk in and she's like, I've never been kidnapped before. How does this work? So Kate tells Kentaro that, you know, to, to wait while she goes in. She goes in the bathroom. She calls May and, you know, she's like, it's like i'm sorry she's looking underneath the stalls and she sees there's no one in there and she's kind of confused for a moment but then she sees a bag like kind of underneath the sinks and so it's it's may's bag her passport and her and her phone are there 
And then we see the next scene, she's sitting like on a private jet. Then it cuts to Seattle three years earlier. She's like at this fancy restaurant talking about, you know, she's like, it's like an interview or something like that. She's talking to this lady. She's talking about how writing code is like being an artist. This lady, she's trying to woo May into working for her. And, you know, she, she realized that this isn't May's because they're like on her second bottle. She's like, okay, now this is part where, you know, you do your sales pitch, whatever. Because, you know, it's, it's not her first rodeo or whatever the lady says. Uh, you know, so she says, that, but it'd be a lot of money. Then at the airport, Kate's giving Kentara orders. She's like, well, we should look here. We should go do this. And then they see Tim stumble in. So she goes up. She kind of shoves him. She's like, you, where is she? What did you do with her? And he like, <laughs> he just like angrily like slams his jacket down. And he's like, I've had a very weird day. So maybe you can take it a little easy, okay? Thank you. And she's like, where is May? He just like walks away to and chugs like a, a bottle of water. Kate continues asking, he's like, what are you doing here? She's like, are you looking for, for us? And he says that he's just trying to stay hydrated and figure out a way out of there. Kentaro says that, he's like, you came after with, with guns. And he's like, no, we came after Shaw. And you were supposed to go home. Remember that? And Kate's like, well, what, what about the deal that May made with your partner? And he's like, what deal? He's like, what? And she's like, you know what I'm talking about. And Tim's like, look, my partner and I were having some issues. And she's like, issues? People died out there. Is that who you people are? He's like, no, that's not who we are. So then they sit and they talk. So he explains, he's like, you know, your grandparents created something extraordinary in Monarch. And he's like, they were fearless enough to believe that the world was so much more vast than we could possibly imagine and they were humble enough to accept you know our, our tiny place in it your father he opened my eyes to that world and kate's like what was he doing out there and tim's like what do you mean he was here and Kentaro's like was he ran off Kate's like he had some machine set up and then godzilla woke up and he's like but wait what what machine and she's like is is that what was what he was doing was he trying to wake up godzilla and Tim's like, no, your father spent his life trying to prevent something like G-Day from happening. I believe he's trying to prevent the next one. And she's like, prove it. Monarch seems to be plugged in all over the world. So help us find May, and we'll help you find Shaw. Kentaro's like, uh, you know, excuse us. We need to go talk. Brother, sister stuff. So she's like, brother, sister stuff? But he like questions, you know, asking him for help. And she says that their options are kind of limited right now. You know, and he's like, well, they're going to want to find dad she's like i don't want to find dad and she's like we don't even know what he was doing out there or why he ran off we can't just quit now he's like yes i can i started this crazy quest thinking that he might be able to explain this i don't believe that anymore so then tim while they're gone he calls Ver verduga she's like where the heck are you he says that he's in the airport in algeria he thinks and he's not quite sure where he's at and she's like where's i think she said like sabatha or something like that she's like you know she's like i can't contact or whatever and he's like the team is gone and she's like what happened and he's like godzilla happened actually he was here she's like you're sure and tim's like kind of hard to miss majestic terrifying and she's like stay where you are i'm sending a team in to bring you in he's like no i can't i the randa kids are here i need to help them do something first also i might need to piggyback on some monarch resources she's like i don't have any resources to piggyback get your butt on a plane and report to the nearest monarch base now, if Godzilla was there, we need a full debrief. So Tim's like, he was huge. He appeared out of nowhere, and then he disappeared. Guess what? Into nowhere. So consider yourself briefed. And she's like, consider yourself suspended. 
He's like, suspended? Okay, great. Then I can speak freely because I think that you should hear this. Had you not treated these kids like criminals, like I said, then they might have led us to Godzilla instead of running to Shaw. That's why I have to help them. And she's like, help them do what? I have to help them find their friend, Mae Hewitt. They think that we kidnapped her. We didn't kidnap her, did we? And Verdugo's like, not that I'm aware of. And you ha- told them the truth about their friend, Mae? So then uh, Kate asked Kentaro, like, if they can please just you know find Mae first. And he's like, well, what if she does want to be found? And Kate's like, well, then she can tell us to eat, poop, and die. And she's like, you know, I think we deserve it. Eat, poop, and die in person response after everything we've been through. And she's like, tell me you don't really care what happens to her. And we can take our first class tickets and climb into our pods and go home. So then it cuts to Monarch Outpost 88. It's Fairbanks, Alaska. A couple of trucks arrive. Uh, Barnes, that one lady who was like in a trailer in Utah looking at the gamma radiation, whatever. She's looking at a screen with some lady. She says it's the same isotopic signature as G-Day, but the transmission rate is like really funky. And she's like, I'm not trying to step on, on, on your turf or anything, but, you know, we're all just, you know, pick, picking this stuff up at the Alaska Rift or something like that. Then she's like, well, I got to pee. So she gets up and she puts on her headphones. The lady keeps looking at the screen and then power like shuts off for, for a bit. So the soldiers from the truck enter. The power comes back on and Duvall's there. And she's like, good afternoon. Can we have your attention, please? So then this one lady's like, who the heck are you? And Shaw's like, my name is Colonel Leland Lafayette Shaw III, and your base is now under my control. You may, you all may leave whenever you want. You all know where the doors are, which will be, we will be locking down for operational security. But before that happens, you each have a decision to make, a choice. Now you can Go on as if the world hasn't changed, pretending that humanity didn't just wake up and suddenly find itself on the edge of, an, of the endangered species list, or you can stand with us on the right side of history. So, um, Barnes, I, I don't know how much, I don't remember, how, I'm trying to think how much of that she caught, because she went to the bathroom, and she's got the headphones on, so she's oblivious to what's going on. She came back, she's about to go in the door, but then she's like through the window, she sees all, all like Bar- Shaw and, and, you know, and, uh, Duvall and the other soldiers there, and then she kind of like ducks out of the way. So Duvall kind of like hears something on the other side of the door, so she goes to check. Barnes runs down the hall. You know, Duvall's just like slow, like kind of strolling towards the door. Then we see a Duvall, or we see Barnes. She's like calling someone. She's trying to, you know, she's like, I'm at Outpost 87, whatever. And she's like, I'm trying to talk to Deputy Director Verduga. And she's like, No, don't put me on hold. She's like hiding outside. And then, uh, Duvall like goes out and looks, doesn't see anything, but uh, Barnes is like on, hiding on the other side of a truck. So then she goes, uh, Duvall goes back inside. At the airport, Kentaro and Kate return to Tim. Tim says that he can't make any promises, but it'll do whatever he can to help them find her friend. Kentaro's like, in exchange for what? And he's like, just give us a chance. And Kate's like, did you really know our dad? And and this is what I'm wondering. It's like, is he just saying that? So then Tim's like, he was uh, one of the first people I met at Monarch. He was quiet, private. Like, I didn't even know he had two kids. <laughs> He's like, scary, smart, wouldn't miss a, a trick. You know, he used to write everything down with these, you know, little pencil stuff, you know, just shavings everywhere. So at this point, I'm like, did he hear them talk about this all? It's like, I don't think he did. So in case, like, okay, May told me if anything happened to her, I should call her sister. Can you run a search? And he kind of seems to stall. He says, uh, you know, we ran background checks on, on all of you when, when you were in custody. 
the password she's using is fake. And they like look confused. He's like, her real name is not May. And, and then they're like, well, what is it? So we see she's still on a private jet. Then it cuts to AET headquarters 30 months earlier. So May or whatever her name is, she's trying to talk to like the boss lady. You know, she's walking through cubicles and she's, you know, she's like following her. She's like, she's been trying to talk to her for a month so that the boss, I, I think her name was Brenda. She says, she's like, well, you know, I've been so busy and everything. Like, it's like, you know, she's like, have whoever her secretary is like, put it, we'll put a lunch in the books. And then May blurts out. She's like, why did you hire me? And she's like, I know we had a few glasses of wine, but I'm pretty sure I told you, you know, your work was, was brilliant. And, and May's like, that's what you tell all of us. I mean, it's, it's like you snapped up anyone's ever spilled a Red Bull on a keyboard. And her boss is like, we're expanding. We need talent. And May's like, really? I'm here with Dury, the North Korean hacker, and Toby from Candy Crush. And her boss is like, are you too good for them? Is, is this about your eagle, Cora? So I guess, I was like, wait, Cora? So I guess that's her name, not May? It is. <laughs> so she's like, it's not about ego. She's like, I, I want to work here. You know, I want to do bleeding edge stuff, help people walk again, you know, see again. And her boss is like, and you expect to do that in your first six months here? And May, Cora, she's like, no, of course not. But I didn't expect my code to disappear down some rabbit hole in the cybernetic neuro interface unit, which sounds as, as cool as poop, by the way. She's like, I would like to work there. And her boss is like, that's above your paid grade. And she's like, really? Because you're paying me a lot. And her boss is like, for which you signed a contract which stipulates any and all output you produce while in our employee is the exclusive property of AET. It's not your code, Cora. So she keeps walking and she's like, are you serious? And she's like, there's a seat for you at the table if you want it. That doesn't mean you don't have to earn it. So Verduga gets someone to call Dr. Barnes again. So she's like FaceTiming. She's like, where are you? And she says she doesn't know. She's at a gas station somewhere. Uh, you know, She was at the outpost monitoring the gamma ray burst coming from Alaska. Then these people came in and took over. And Verduga's like, what people? She's like, I don't know, but they had guns. The guy in charge says something about locking down the base for operational security. Verduga is, is told um, by someone that like the outpost is offline. At the outpost, Shaw uncovers some boxes and they're marked explosive. He's like, oh yeah. And Duvall's like, asks, you know, what does he want to take? He's like, are you kidding? All of it. At Tacoma, Washington, the Randas and Tim pull up to this house that was listed as, like, last known. So Kate's like, I can't see May living here. And Tim's like, she didn't. Someone named Cora did. So Kate wants to go and just tell them the truth. But Tim says, well, what if May doesn't want them to know the truth? That, you know, she was using a fake name. Or what if, you know, maybe she was protecting them. You know, they have to play this cool. You know, follow his lead. <laughs> so as they're walking across the street, he kind of trips on the sidewalk. So it's like, yeah, real cool, buddy. Inside, uh, there's like tons of pictures of May throughout the years. Uh, May's mom gives Kentaro like some coffee or tea or something like that. May's sister um, is is like sinner. She's she's looking, you know, kind of suspicious. Kate says that they they met online in Japan, and the mom's like Cora was in Japan, and Kate's like briefly, you know, passing through for work. I think Tim says that you know they're they're all in this online manga group, and mom's like. She asked if Cora said that she'd be here. And Tim's like, well, the three of us were in town and we, we thought we'd take a chance and see if she was, was home. 
Kentaro says that, you know, he didn't know that she had so much family. And mom's like, yeah, sister and a brother. Sister's like, so you saw Korra in Japan? And Kate's like, yeah, briefly. And then she's like, so you all live there? And Kentaro says that he does. You know, he's from Tokyo. So now you're here in Seattle looking for my sister? And Kate's like, yeah, we're going to this manga thing. And she's like, what kind of manga is Korra into? And Tim jumps in. He's like, oh, your basic shoujo stuff. I mean, obviously, Naoki Takuchi. And he's like, list some other stuff or whatever like that. And then Kate's like, so Korra doesn't live here now? And Mom's like, well, she has her own place, but she travels so much that she doesn't even really need it. And then Kate asks, you know, when was the last time she was home? And Mom's like, you know, two years. Well, two years in a month. So they're walking out, and Kate still thinks that they should have told him what happened with May or Cora. And, and she's like, did you see her mom's face? And Tim thinks that her sister knows something. And then they see her sister getting into her own car. So they, they're going to follow her. They, they go into the city. They're arguing, you know, because Kate's driving for some reason. <laughs> they, they argue that, that she's not close enough. And then they go in a parking garage. And they're like, wait, did you lose her? They're like, oh, there's her car. So they stop. And a sister bangs on the window. And she's got like a tire, tire iron in her in or like overhead, like ready to swing down. She's like, who are you? She's like demanding. And she's like, don't give me that manga BS. Kate's like, you know, sorry we lied to you. And it's just like, like, are you with the company? And Tim's like, what company? And it's like, what do you want with my sister? Tell me the truth. And it's it's, it's it seems kind of silly because it's like, okay, three against one. And she doesn't even know who these people are. It's like, how does she know that, you know, all she has is a tire iron. What if they have guns or something? You know, she doesn't even know. But I guess if she thinks they're with the company, you probably wouldn't think that, whatever. So Kate's like, well, we are her friends. You know, that's the truth. We did meet her in Japan. You know, she's been traveling with us, helping to solve a family mystery. And her sister's like, good luck with that. But you need to leave our family alone. And Kentaro's like, she likes old tech, but thinks people who collect vinyl are hopeless posers. Hell, she thinks that most people are stupid, like me. But that didn't stop her from helping me when I needed her. So her sister starts putting like the higher iron down. She's like, that's a family trait. Kate's like, look, we just want to make sure she's not in trouble. And her sister's like, it's too late for that. And Tim's like, who's she in trouble with? Who's the company? Her sister's like, Applied Experimental Technologies. That's the company she worked for. So then there's a flashback. It's like someone's birthday. May seems like distracted and concerned, you know, they're getting the cake ready. And she has like some texts on her phone. One's like, Cora, are you in the building? Crazy poop is going down. And then there's another one's like, Cora, our systems are crashing, 911. The first dude's like, everyone's looking for you. Did you do something? The second person's like, they're locking all, all of us out of the system. Where are you? Her, her mom's like, it's a birthday probably. I think she's like trying to get her to put her phone away. And then Cora gets a, a text from Holland. It says, I know this was you. So she tells her mom she'll be right back. And she like goes around the corner. She's like leans, leans against the wall. And she's just like kind of, she's like panicking. She's like, you know, just freaking out. Then she's in her room, like packing. Her sister comes in. She's like, what's going on? And she tells her sister, she's like, I need you to get some cash and your passport. You can report it stolen next week. And she's like, I have to go. I have to disappear. So then back to the parking lot. So she says that, you know, she called a couple days ago that she might be able to come back. She made some kind of deal. So Kate gives Tim like a look. And Kate says that they're going to find her. And she says if they do find her, let her know that they don't care what happened. They just want her home. So then Cora's sitting in this conference room. Her boss, Brenda, whatever. She's like, ah, the prodigal coder. Can I get you anything? Coffee? A good lawyer? And May, Cora, is like, 
if I needed one of those, I don't think we'd be having this conversation. Her boss is like, no, we wouldn't. She's like, so what now? She's like, I gave you a tremendous opportunity to be a part of something great. And Cora May, she's like, yeah, I remember it was your sales pitch after the second bottle of wine. I would have delivered it. And she's like, oh, BS. I saw what you were doing. And you, the boss of your parents' entire basement, thought you had the ability, the moral authority to put a stop to it. So there's a flashback. Cora sits like at her cubicle. She types some stuff, gets access to the mainframe. She type, 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 typing. She finally gets granted access to something else. She goes into this like cyber interface room. She goes in this room and sees videos of like animals in cages. And there's like a monkey with like wires in his head and is like banging on a cage. So then present Brenda, her boss, says that what she saw down there is the future being created. And she's like, and I knew it was you the moment I saw that code. You might as well have signed your work. And Cora May, she's like, I think I wanted you to know. She's like, you cost millions. And and Cora's like, oh, I'm sure Walter, whatever, I think that's what she said, has that in his couch cushions. And she's like, why didn't you call the police? And she's like, there wasn't a warrant. So then the three are, uh, Kentaro, Kate, and Tim are walking down the city street. And he says that CCTV caught her three hours ago. And so Tim called in a favor. So, so they're outside the building, the AET building. And Kate's asked if he has a secret rescue system. Like, you know, he's like, maybe. And he pulls out his phone. So then there's like some scenes around the city, people like a coffee shop, and then this alarm goes off. People are looking, you know, start getting alerts on their phone. Some people start panicking. There's police going driving the streets with sirens. So someone's phone is like massive organism approaching. Seek shelter immediately. And and then we see the phone. It's Verduga on the plane. She's looking confused, and then she mutters, she's like Tim. So in the panic, the uh, three move. He tells them it's a relatively new program they've been working on, on uh, since uh, G-Day. Japan has a similar plan, but they haven't actually gone public yet with theirs. So to use the opportunity to go into the AET building. Brenda looks at her phone screen, and then she just sets it down. Cora's like, do you need to get that? And her boss is like, it appears the city may be in danger of an imminent Titan attack. And she's like, uh, shouldn't we go somewhere? And her boss is like, what do you know about monsters, Cora? And she's like, I know what everybody else knows. Yet somehow you found yourself in the Sahara Desert in the middle of what Monarch refers to as an emergency event. She's like, okay, what's that matter to you? You're a tech company. We're innovators. That's why I recruited you. Not to build on someone else's tired ideas, but to see the future. And she's like, what? And the future is monsters? You wanted to help the paralyzed walk again. Imagine what we can learn from the nervous system that allows something as big as Godzilla to walk. That's what the cybernetic neural interface were up to. That's the work you destroyed. And she's like, well, I'm sorry. Can we go now, please? If this is, if this were real, we would have had advanced warning. And she uh, turns the laptop with like security footage. Your friends are obviously using this as a cover to rescue you. I'd love for them to succeed. You walk out of here, clean slate, and even make sure you get your back pay. And Cora's like, and? You report back to me everything you learn about these titans. She's like, you want me to be your spy? Just keep doing what you're doing, living a lie, or we can handle this officially, and you will need that lawyer. So the other two like walk up some stairs, and then Brenda like walks out of the conference room. 
And she's like, welcome to AET. And then to Cora, she's like, I'm so glad we got this settled. Thank you for coming in. Kate like looks at her and gives her a hug. And she's like, you can just leave. She's like, come on. And she's like, no. Hey, she's like, I need to tell you something. So then it cuts to Tokyo, Japan, two years earlier, May or Cora. She's on the phone saying, you know, she's calling, say, I love you. She's like, I'll call again, you know, for mom's birthday. And then uh, it's a time that she's walking by and Kentaro's taking a picture of his art poster for a show and she like walks in a frame. So that's when they first met. In the present, she's like, my name is not May. My name is Cora Mateo. And I used to work here as a programmer until I did something that I do not regret, which is why I ran away and why I lied to you. And you, she says to Kentaro, when you came to me with your dad's files, I thought that I could use them to get myself out of trouble. I I didn't care about helping you. I didn't care about your dad. I was using you to save my own ass. And I don't want to be that person anymore. That's why I can't go with you. And I can't go home. I'm sorry. Kate's like, we came all this way to get you. And Cora's like, I didn't ask you to do that. Seriously, you need to. And she's like, May? She's like, my name's not May. Are you listening to me? I need you to get you, you to get the hell out of here. Katara's like, let's go. Outside, Kate's like, what are they going to do to her? Tim's like, well, they'll probably prosecute her for damage she caused. Otherwise, you know, make her work it off somehow. He's like, I feel like they wanted something from her. Then some goons pop out, out and they grab the Randas and they put them in this SUV and Tim's allowed to enter on his own. So Verdugo's inside. So she questions him for using a Titan alert. He's like, I improvise. And he's like, you know, I didn't think. She cuts him off. She's like, no, you didn't think. She's like, we're in a crisis and you're yelling fire in a crowded theater. He's like, you said you didn't have any resources. And she's like, you said you were going to help Randa kids find her playmate. Did you? Are we done playing Goonies now? Kate's like, excuse me. And Tim's like, sort of. It turns out she's in a bit of trouble with AET. And Verdugo's like, right, well, that's done. Now you have a job and an obligation, and we have a plane to catch. And Kate's like, no, we can't. And Verdugo continues to say, because it's possible we're all about to be buried by whatever Shaw has planned. Think about that. And Kate's like, hey. And then calmly, she's like, Verdugo's like, Miss Randa, you're getting back on a plane, and this time, if you wander into the red zone, you'll find yourself in jail. And she's like, don't talk to me like that. I don't work for you. And Verdugo's like, no, you don't. So stop acting like you know my business simply because your name is Randa. And Kate's like, what I do know is that you have a Shaw problem. You need to know where he's going and what he's doing. And she's like, am I right? And she's like, and you're proposing a solution to this problem of mine? Okay, school teacher, thrill me. She's like, I'll make you the same deal I made him. We found our dad's map, we found our dad, and we found Godzilla, all on our own, without you or Monarch. You help us get May back, and we'll help you find Shaw. And she looks at Tim, and she's like thinking about it. So Cora enters uh, her boss, Brenda's office, and she's like, oh, well, you made your choice. And she's like, I used to love telling people I didn't care about money or the recognition, but the moment you dangled it in front of me, I bit. And I was pissed at you and at myself. That night I broke into the lab. I couldn't handle that. So I screwed us both over. And she's like, so is this the moral of your story? And Cora May, she's like, from now on, I'm the only one who'll pay for my mistakes. She's like, yes, you are. Then her phone rings. 
Her secretary's like, there's a Natalia Verduga from Monarch here asking to see you. And Brenda, like, shoots Cora, look. So Cora's family's doing, like, game night or something like that. And then Cora just, like, walks in. They start screaming for joy, whatever. They run up to her and they all hug her. In the SUV, it's just him and Verduga. And he asks her if she's happy with this agreement. And she's like, what do you think? He's like, well, what's Monarch going to say about the Titan alert? She's like, PR will handle it. Meanwhile, we need to get to Washington and coordinate with the DOD to get shock contained. I hope your little friends come through. He's like, I know that it's a priority, but I think we should, I think you should do the PR thing. The only way to do that is we have to bring Monarch out of the shadows. So the next day, Kate and Katara walk out, out of the other, I'm assuming their Monarch paid hotel, maybe. Cora is like waiting by an SUV and she's like, hey. And Kate's like, hey, what are you doing here? And Cora's like, where are we going? And Kate's like, we are about to go help Monarch. Cora's like, Monarch made a deal for my freedom with a cooperation we shouldn't trust. We're not in the clear yet. I'm going with you guys. And Katara's like, are you sure? And Kate's like, you just got back. What about your family? So she shrugs. She's like, now I can call them anytime. She's like, come on, I want to go with y'all. So then Ron, does, they, they look at each other, and Katara's like, let's go. So he gets in the SCVU, Cora gives Kate a hug, and she's like, wait, Cora? And she's like, no, you can call me mate. Please call me mate. Verduga's standing ready to go live. She's like at a podium. She introduces herself. She says, Monarch is a global collaboration of government and scientific agencies dedicated to the study of massive unidentified terrestrial organisms, or MUTOs, including the creature we know as Godzilla. Now, our mission is to protect you, the citizens around the world. We bring the best minds and the most cutting-edge technology to this purpose, including the early warning system that was triggered in Seattle yesterday. And fortunately, this time, it was just a false alarm, and we regret any distress that we may have caused. But I take great comfort in knowing robust systems are in place to give us ample warning in a real emergency. And she's like, listen, I know the events of, of G-Day, they rock the world, a world where everything that we love, everything that we hold dear, it could just be gone in an instant. Now let me tell you, as a mother, I share your fear, but this is now the world we live in. Monsters are an inescapable reality, a constant threat that we must learn to survive, and I believe we can. Together, I believe we will. That is my commitment to you, and that is Monarch's commitment to you. Thank you. Blah blah blah. <laughs> and and Tim's like yeah, like like you know he he approves the speech. So then Brenda she's on the phone with her boss. She says that she thinks that if she sticks to the agreement, it could be very fruitful. And she's like, oh yes, it just arrived. A bold statement for AT's new corporate mission. Good night, Mister Simmons. And her screen shows like a, a logo for Apex cybernetics so yes they're whatever they're gonna maybe get some some information from monarch i don't know at the alaska rift explosives and stuff are being uh set by the hole where the, the shining lights were from the, where the plane crashed with the with the, the, the kids and shaw so then shaw's in a helicopter he's like all right let's bring the roof down on this thing once and for all and then, boosh, big explosion. Creature comes out of the ground, jumps for the helicopter, but then this other explosion knocks it back. There's like a swirl of lights. There's like a bunch of like, like it's almost like a tornado of wind by the hole. And then it's almost like a vortex. It looks like it just like imploded on itself. 
Then Shaw gets out of the helicopter. It's like all dark. There's no lights. And he yells, yes! So I don't know what, what that means. Did they? Because what I'm assuming, the, the subway thing and the maps or whatever, there's, there's got to be some sort of like underground tunnels, which is how the Titans are getting around. Is that how it is? Is that why no one sees them? Is that how uh, Godzilla ended up in uh, Algeria or wherever? And what did this mean? Did they just blow up one of the tunnel exits? I, I, I don't know, but like I just say, keep saying, you may know because uh, you're might be more caught up than I am. So uh, that was episode seven. But like I said, I, I say this every week. I'm just really digging the show. I wish I was caught up, but eventually I will, I guess. Okay, then with uh, Percy Jackson and the Olympians, season one, episode four, I plunged to my death. So it starts off with like a flashback to young Percy getting like swimming, less, swimming lessons. He doesn't want to go, you know, let go of the side. And his mom's like, you know, it could be dangerous for you. It's like, if, if you don't know how to do this. And she's like, I might not always, you know, be there, you know, one day. And he's like, no, you'll always be there. And then we see, then somehow little Percy's in the desert alone. And some like whisper voice like, what sort of trouble are you into now? A forbidden child attracting attention? A forbidden hero? They attract doom. She is coming. And then he's like, I don't know if he was sleeping or if he was dreaming, but then he's like laying somewhere. And he asks Annabeth, she's like, are you still awake? And then he he asks if she and Thalia were close, you know, if, if so, what was she like? And Annabeth's like, why? He says, she was a last forbidden kid before me, right? You know, she must have dealt with the same kind of stuff. And Annabeth's like, she was tough. She didn't care that she was forbidden. And when they found me, Luke took care of me right away. But Thalia, she made me earn it. And Percy's like, is that why you give me a hard time? I got to earn it with you too? And she's like, yeah, maybe. He's like, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. The way you guys all talk, the way the gods want us to think. Got to burn an offering to get a parent's attention. Got to beat up on Clarice just to get my father to admit he's my father. It isn't supposed to work that way. People who are close to you aren't supposed to treat you that way. So Annabeth talks about how she ended up alone in the first place. She started out as a gift to her father. It's like that's how it works with Athena. They're born from a thought in her mind. And then they're given to a partner that she feels connected to. So for a while, she was treated like a gift. Her father cared for her, loved her. Then he met a woman. And then they had their own kids. So to her... The, the, the new new whatever new wife she wasn't a gift she was a problem so annabeth left she was seven and she it's like it isn't the gods who think that way it's everyone then grover wakes up and and he's like grouchy and everything like that annabeth's like he's grouchy when he doesn't get enough sleep and he's like nah. so it turns out that they're actually on a train i thought they were like in a tent or a camper somewhere and then uh it as we see like outside it almost looks like someone's like flew into the train the next the day, whatever, you know, uh, Grover says it's two days until they get to L.A., so there's still plenty of time before their deadline to reach the underworld. Percy's like, can I ask a dumb question? And Annabeth just kind of like rolls her eyes. She's like, says something. He's like, I've never been to Los Angeles before, and I'm guessing neither of you have. So how we have any idea where, you know, we're going? And Grover's like, no idea. That's like step 37. We're still on step four. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. So then he's like, follow up, stupid question. And, and you shall fail to say what matters most in the end. 
you know, back in Jersey, I told you the Oracle said that this quest would fail, and no one's mentioned it since. Seems like something we ought to be taking a little more seriously. Then Percy, like, notices, like, centaurs running out in the field next to the train. And he's, he looks around, he's like, no one knows they're there. And Grover says that there, there used to be herds of, of them everywhere. And Percy's like, what happened to him? Grover's like, humans. A few thousand years ago, the god of the wild Pan, he disappeared. Ever since, without Pan to protect the natural world, humans uh, have been really trying hard to like chip away at it. Annabeth is like, the brave satyrs, is that what they are? They, they've gone in search of Pan, but none have returned. And Percy's like, he says Grover's uncle, Ferdinand, that they found at Medusa's. It's like, he was a searcher. And Grover's kind of like nuts. So then Annabeth's like, the oracle didn't say the quest would fail. Fail to save what matters most can mean a lot of things. That's how prophecies work. And that's how fate works. It can mean a lot of things. The harder you work to understand, the harder it gets to understand. Sometimes you just got to let it come to you when it's ready. And this dude comes up and the train kind of asks us to see their tickets. And then he's like, he's like, oh, you're in cabin 17B? So he takes them back. The window's busted. And there's like, you know, the wind blowing in. He's like, you care to explain? They're like, the window was intact, intact when we went to breakfast. And the dude's like, well, we have a witness who says she heard the window smash. And then heard children's voices. And Percy's like, oh, come on. And then he's like, can you tell me what time you left the cabin? And Annabeth's like, are we under arrest? And he's like, I don't think you want to take that tone with me, little girl. And she gives us this look. She didn't like that. She's like, are we under arrest? So then they're seated at a table. One officer, she's kind of like watching them while the dude's still talking to a witness lady. You know, a little ways off. Annabeth says that she doesn't think he's a monster. And Percy's like, well, if he's not a monster, what's going on here? And I'm, I, my first thing is like, maybe this lady witness is a monster? So Percy's like, why would anyone tear our room apart? And Grover's like, maybe they were looking for something. He's like, Percy's like, we don't have anything. And it's like, the people who think you stole Zeus' master bolt might disagree. He's like, right. And she's like, but we can't spend all day answering questions in St. Louis police station. So the, the lady like um, taps Annabeth on the shoulder and she's like, can I sit? It's like, you poor dears. Your parents aren't here, are, are they? It's like, isn't that right, Precious? She has, like, something in this little pet carrier bag. And she's like, it's okay. I'm a mom. I know how scared you must be. So she turns to the lady cop. And she's like, do you mind giving us a little space? I think you're making them nervous. So then she's like, I want you to know, I don't actually think you made that mess back there. I just wanted a moment alone with you. There are some things I need you to understand. And Grover's like, you have something. He, like, interrupts her. He's like, you have something on your jacket. Looks like glass then he's like no one smashed out the windows from inside our cabin someone smashed them in from the outside and i'm like thank you i mean that's the whole thing because obviously what we saw we saw something fly in the that means the glass would be all over the floor and the train conductor is like oh what are you doing here i'd be like look there's all this glass here something obviously broke in if we broke out the glass would be outside so i'm just like so then her bag, I, I think her her bag talks like, hmm, oh. And there's like, or something like that. Someone says that. I don't know who it was. And then there's like, the, the bags, there's a more grunting and whimpering. And she, she's like, oh, I know, sweetheart, you're impatient, but we're almost there. And she stands. 
she's like, this isn't your fault, but sadly, you're going to have to bear the burden of your parents' mistakes today. And Percy's like, listen, lady. I was like, I don't know who you are, but I think I know what you are. We've run across a few monsters like you, and we've sent them all packing. She like scoffs. She's like, monsters like me? Well, of course they're like me. She's like, they were my children. And Percy's like, children? What does that mean? And Grover's like, the mother of monsters. Annabeth's like, echidna. I think that's how you say it. Echidna, right? E-C-H-idna. And her bag is like totally shaking now. So she like shushes it. And she's like, monster, such an odd word, considering my grandmother is your great-grandmother. And this has always been a family story. But to my eye, the demigod is more dangerous, is a more dangerous creature. Disruptive, violent. If I exist for anything, it is to stand in the way of monsters like you. My little one here, she's just a pup now. Today, you will be her prey. Are you afraid yet? Oh, it's all right. Fear is natural. It's also essential to the hunt. Annabeth's like, like slowly pulling out her blade. So she, uh, uh, Echidna, it's like, your fear, your doubt, your confusion. I needed you to understand what was happening so that she could track the scent. So that she could learn and grow because that's what a good mother does for her children. Not that you would know. And as, as she's talking, like the zipper's like slowly moving, whatever. She's like, you should run now. And then it's like some big like spiky tentacle or tail or something zips out and kind of like pokes at, at Percy. Annabeth grabs it and she like raises her blade and brings it down on, on a critter. And then she tells Percy and Grover to go. And so then she like runs after them. And I'm like, so obviously humans aren't seeing all this, but then the two cops see them run because they're like, hey, and they start like chasing them. So, but they're like on a friggin' train. It's like, where where are they supposed to go? So Echidna closes up her bag. She's like, silly girl, you got ahead of yourself. We'll work on that. The kids are kind of running through the train. They they go by this passenger compartment when there's a family inside. So they see the kids run by. Then they see the cops. And then there's kind of like a, a like a big like rumble, like a bang. And they, they look out the window. And there's this little dog just running down the hall. Annabeth manages to tie like the door shut. Like she puts like some cable or something in there. Grover notices like a stinger in Percy's shirt. And Annabeth asks uh, Grover if he knows what kind of monster has those. And he's like, I, I don't know. Nothing good probably. Then he asks Percy if he feels okay. He's like, I think so. It's like, why? Do you think it's poisonous or something? The cops are at, they reach the door, they're banging on the window, they're like, open this door. Then there's like another big shake and rumble from behind them. Kids start moving. So then I, I guess the train stopped because they got off and they're looking back and Percy wonders like, why isn't whatever this thing still chasing them? And Annabeth says that Echidna said that whatever it was in the carrier is young. So it won't venture too far from her mother because she's learning to hunt. And it seems like this is the hunting part. So they're walking through his like city streets. And Percy says that they won't be able to outrun them for long. And Annabeth says, like, well, they don't need to. They just need a safe place to hold up. And Percy's like, any idea where we might find one of those? And she's like, I do, actually. A sanctuary dedicated to Athena, built by one of her demigod children a long time ago. And Grofer's like, there's an Athenan temple hidden somewhere in the middle of downtown St. Louis? And Annabeth's like, yes, except it's not all that hidden. So they walk towards 
the big St. Louis arch. So she's, Annabeth's like, it's 630 feet wide, 630 feet tall, both to within an inch. Each side is balanced perfectly against the other. The arch is held up by symmetry. It's held up by math. It's earthquake proof, so Poseidon can't ruin it. This is how you show Athena love, a monument to perfection. And she's like, no monsters can enter, not even Echidna. Grover isn't too happy, but there's like some other monuments, stuff like that, you know, from like over years. There's like, I think it's like a buffalo skull and stuff like that. She's like, well, I'm going to, you know, go try to figure out if there's another train we can get on. And Percy's like, he doesn't like when people mess with animals. And she says that, you know, she knows. Uh, and she's like, I shouldn't have snapped at him. Percy says that it's lucky there happened to be one of her mom's temples there. And she's like, luck? Or was it fate? Because she was talking about that before. Then she says, it's just a temple. You know, a, a temple's a temple. He could, you know, try talking to his dad. And Percy's like, no thanks. He's like, whatever, you know, you have going on with your mom that works for you. It's like, I don't want anything to do with my dad. He had, you know, he had time to do something. And Annabeth, he's like, you've done more for me in this last week than my dad has my entire life. You know, if I had to stick with someone, and she's like, careful, I think you're about to call me a friend. And she's like, you know, somewhere around here, the oracle is laughing at us, or, and then Percy like, st stumbles, and Grover comes like, like what happened? Percy's like, I think, I think those stingers were poisonous. And Annabeth's like, I have an idea, help me. <laughs> and then we see Percy sitting in the fountain while Annabeth and Grover are like splashing water at him. People are walking outside and they're kind of like looking at them like, what are these kids doing? And Annabeth's like, the water cured him back at camp, so it should work for the poison too, right? And he's like, you know, I think I think it's working. This was a great call. He tries getting up but then plops back down. He's like, or not. And Annabeth's like, maybe it needs to be natural running water you know, for Poseidon to be able to heal him. And so they hear some like cars honking, crashing. They see like an SUV get like flipped and tossed. It was like, does anyone else see that? She's like, okay, we need to get back inside. And Grover's like, no, we need to keep trying. And she, Annabeth's like, this isn't working. And she's coming. Then they see like Echidna like walking towards them. And she's like, okay, we'll take Percy inside and we'll go to the temple's altar. And he, Percy's like, where is there an altar? And she's like, the highest point, the best view. Grover's like, what What good is, is that even going to do us? Annabeth's like, we're going to get to the altar and we're going to ask my mom for help. Percy's like, I thought we don't ask for help. Grover says, you know, how he's helping Percy walk you know, inside. Annabeth's, you know, she hears like some whisper noise. And she's like, did you guys hear that? Percy's like, hear what? And she's like, never mind. It's like, come on. Inside, they go and they get in this little compartment. I, th I think they said it was a tram, but, it, but then later the close capture says like an elevator, you know, dings or something like that. But it's, it's like it barely, you know, the three barely fit in there. So Percy's like, she spoke to you. Uh, Electo did that with me back in a museum in New York. What did she say? And then they see Echidna as the door closes. And Grover's like, was that the Chimera? I, th I, th I think that was a chimera. How did the chimera even get inside here? And Percy's like, Annabeth, we're in a sanctuary. Grover's like, Athena would have had to let her in, but why would she do that? And Percy's like, Annabeth, what did Echidna say to you? And Annabeth's like, she said my impertinence wounded my mother's pride, and that will be my doom. He's like, impertinence? What kind of... He's like, Medusa's head. 
She's like, I embarrassed my mother. Percy's like, but I'm the one who sent the head to Olympus. I signed a note. And she's like, and I went along with it. It embarrassed her. Now she's hangry. It's like, you know, get over it. And, and I went along with it. It embarrassed her. Now she's angry. And Grover's like, guys, what are we going to do? Annabeth's like, she isn't going to help us when we get to the top to save Percy. He's like, no, I mean, what are we going to do about Echidna and the Chimera? They're going to be right behind us. So then they get out of the elevator, whatever thing. Annabeth says that they're not going to have much time. They'll be right behind them. And her mother is going to protect them. And she's like, then we'll just have to fight it out up here. So they notice all the people there. And so here's the thing. I had absolutely no idea that you could actually go inside the arch. I don't know what I was, I never really thought about it. I'm like, okay, here's this landmark. Everyone knows, you know, St. Louis is a big, big, huge arch. And I always wonder, like, what the heck is the purpose of this point? You know, it's like, what, it's just, it's a big arch. Oh, okay. Why would you want to go see that? But apparently, I guess you can go inside and look out. Never knew that. <laughs> and it makes, makes sense. You know, you can go inside the Statue of Liberty. You know, you can go, can you go inside the Washington Monument? See, I don't even know. I haven't even seen all these things. But I was just like, okay, I had no, no, no idea. So they say that they got to get everyone out of there. And you see there's like a fire alarm, like right behind them. So she tells Grover to help Percy. And, you know, the, the, you know she pulls the alarm to help help. Percy follow everyone down and Percy's like, no, it's like, we're not splitting up. And she's like, we won't make it if we're all, you know, all together like this. So the chimera is a demigod killer. So someone has to stay back to slow her down and buy everyone some time. Then she tells Grover to help him down the stairs and get him to the river. And she's like, and don't stop not until you get to Hades, not until you have the bolt. You hear me? Percy like shakes his head. And then he's like, wait, take this. He holds out his sword and Annabeth like kind of looks at him. She's like a little surprised. When she reaches for it, he pulls her out, shuts the door, locks them out. And they're like pounding on the door. And he's like, Poseidon never helped me before. He was going to start now. I would have never made it to Hades. But you can and you will now. There's like a crash and like some growling. His vision is a little blurry. The chimera like snarls and growls as like approaching him. Echidna is like behind it. And she's like, this is the end, sweetheart. Don't fight it. And you just, you know, you'll just make her angry. It walks up to Percy and then he like slashes his front leg and it snarls, kind of like swats him, bats him away. He, he gets slammed into a wall. It walks more, you know, up to him again. Then uh, it shoots, it opens his mouth, it shoots fire at him. And he like rolls out of the way. Echidna motions her hands and somehow, I guess she's, I don't know, she's got some sort of telekinesis power. She makes a hole appear in the floor in front of Percy. So he's like, struggles to his feet, swings his sword, and it kind of gets like hit. It like bounces out of hand. So he loses his sword again, but I guess, you know, he can always get it back or whatever when, it, when he needs it. He gets knocked back and he falls out of the hole. So he's gone. He's dead. But then we see he managed to grab onto like, you know, a busted beam from the hole. Chimera and Echidna approach the hole and they look down. So unfair, you never had a chance, did you? If only someone cared enough for you to provide you with one. His hand like slips, so he's hanging with just one now. And his fingers are starting to slip. And then he falls. He like actually falls off. And he, as he's tumbling, you can see like the ground below him. But then 
as, as things are kind of spinning, you see this big funnel of water coming off from the side and it kind of does like this 90 degree turn and it, it goes like towards him. And then, and then everything just goes black. And we see flashes of Percy like underwater. He tries swimming, but it's like his foot stuck. And he, he sees something kind of like in a greenish water. The closed caption says it's it's Nereed or something like that. It speaks like, you are frightened. It's all right, Percy. Your father sent me to tell you it's all right. Just breathe. He's like struggling. You know, he's try swimming up against, but his foot stuck. The voice continues. Your father's here. He's always been here. It's so hard for him to stand back, to see you struggle. It's so hard for all of us, but he's here and he's so very proud. Trust him. Trust yourself. Breathe. He like stops struggling and then starts breathing into water. So Percy can breathe underwater. He had no idea. And that's where it ends. So um, it, was a, it was a good episode, uh, you know, I guess, you know, seeing the kids do, do some more stuff and everything. And it taught me something about <laughs> the St. Louis Arch. <laughs> so see, sometimes you do learn things from, from, you know, what people think are silly shows. So we'll see what happens next week. Okay, then um, I wasn't really planning on doing this, I wasn't really sure, but I, I watched, started watching some of What If and uh, second season. As obviously, as, as you're probably aware, I'm not super crazy over the fact that they dropped all the episodes. Now, they didn't do it in one day, but they did, I, I think it was like nine episodes. I think that's how many there are. Nine episodes in nine days. So um, I'm already behind. So I will just do do some. Uh, I don't know if I'll do the whole season or, or not. Um, I think I might only do two. I thought about maybe doing three, but we'll, we'll we'll just start with this. So the first episode, it was it was kind of neat. I didn't love it. It's just all right, you know. And the you know the animation style, I I think I like it. I, I go back and forth, where there's some cool effects. The style, I think the style is okay, you know and. Uh, it, it it works. It, there there's some things that kind of seem off a little bit, but they they do a lot of details like, I mean, with like shimmery effects, like sh- you know things that are shiny or sh- or shadows or like hair moving, and, and you know they, they so it's like they're putting attention to like little things. So it's just it's kind of weird. But then other parts are like almost a little plain. I don't know. But the first episode, I thought this was okay. What if Nebula joined a Nova Corps? And I'm like okay. It starts off on, on Xandar. Uh, Nebula sees Yandu's dead. You know, she's like, someone did this to him. And, you know, so the Nova course, they come down. They tell her they can step away from, the, she can step away from the body. And it just doesn't seem like they're too concerned with him. They're like, oh, he's just a career, you know, criminal or whatever. So the Watcher does his voiceover. He says that, you know, all quests for redemption begin in darkness. For Nebula, it was no different. In this universe, Ronan Accuser betrayed Thanos. With his fall, he took uh, Nebula's sister along with him. And Nebula said, you know, she was lost. We see her, like, kind of floating or whatever. And then Nova Prime gave her a way forward. So she swore, like, the Nova Corps oath. Um, Their darkest days were still to come. Ronan and his forces... You know, started attack, but Nova Prime was out of options, so she made a desperate call. She locked down the entire planet, so she put you know the big force field around it, and so for five years in isolation, you know it's it's brought out like the worst in, in all the people there. So then we see her out in the streets, 
where Yandu was killed, and she says that I guess that you know they had a past or something like that, and she ha- plays like this holo of him. Then Yandu's arrow comes when like the holo whistles, and Nebby like manages to catch it before it, like hits her in the head. So then the arrow kind of shows this uh like all this like whole big schematics like in this big sphere like surrounds her, and then she wonders like what Yandu got into. So in her car cruiser, she talks to Nova Prime, and she uh, tells Nebula to switch over to the secure channel. And she's like, Xandar's on the brink. Yandu got himself caught up with some dark forces you know, on the rise. And if I'm right, Xandar only has until dawn. Then uh, Nebula's like, oh, I did find something at the crime scene. I'm not sure what it is, but it seems that Yandu gave his life to protect it. So she's going to try to get some more information. She goes to this like club or casino or whatever for help, and uh, she's told that the, the big guy is like in charge or he's up. It's Howard the Duck. It's like really, and and this is when I, I feel like when you do stuff like this, it's like oh let's just put an appearance for the sake of appearance because you see Groot, so he's like gambling. I am Groot, and it's like okay, he's there too. Nebula goes to talk to Howard the Duck. She shows him Yandu's arrow. Uh, she says that um, you know he gave his life to deliver the schematics. And she ran it through like every archive on Xandar, and Howard he like scoffs, you know, that she doesn't know what it is, whatever. And then some who comes to deliver drinks? It's Korg. You got you know someone another you know guest appearance here. So he knows what it is. He's like, oh yeah, that, that's that's a data core. It's like it's code for the shield generator. And so then she figures she needs to get in and destroy it or something like that. So she'll need someone who can help break in. So she goes to prison to see Jan Rog and she breaks him out. At first I'm like, who the heck is Jan Rog? I was like, am I supposed to know who I mean Marvel's not just gonna make up some character for this. Turns out Jan Rog, you probably know maybe, is a uh, Jude Law's character from Captain Marvel. Uh, I've been meaning to watch that again, but you know it's been I haven't watched it in a while. So they, they get to um she breaks him out, they get to where the core is they go in through whatever it's like all the stuff they have to do to get there there's like this big floating sphere so she goes up if she's compatible with it whatever hooks up you know it's wires going to her head so she wants to delete the source code or something like that but then yon rog betrays her and like sticks like a like like a usb thumb drive in her head or something like that and she's kind of like getting zapped or shorting out and he says that you know she doesn't have to worry about xandar because ronan has big plans for it and then um, he leaves or like that. She manages to like yank the wires out and she escapes. If the place is going to blow up, she gets like tossed out or anything like that. And then um, she's, she's kind of borderline like unconscious, like as she's coming to, or she's, or before she passes out, Nova Prime and Jan Rog walk up to her and Prime, Nova Prime says, I knew the blast wouldn't kill her. She's always been resourceful. And Jan Rog's like, oh, well, we'll fix that. So then Nebula says, she's like, this was all set up, you know, giving me the case and pointing, you know, me to the shield codes, all that, so you can start an invasion. And she tells Prime, she's like, you swore an oath, oath to defend Xandar. And Nova Prime's like, and look where it got us. The world's falling apart. We can't go on like this. You know, sometimes there's no shame in surrender. And Ronan promised to keep me in charge for my cooperation. And then she tells some course, she's like, finish her and melt down the pieces when you're done. 
So they hit, they start hitting her with like these electro stun batons or whatever. She, you know, takes a lot of hits. She manages to get away and then she like kind of jumps off the edge of this building, whatever. And the dude's like, like, oh, no one could survive that. It's like, I'm calling it. So of course she does survive. She's injured, but she's like walking through the streets and people are like, you know, they see her, they're kind of bumping into her and they're like, down with the Nova Corps and stuff like that. She goes to Howard's and, uh, of course, you know, Groot's still there and, and Korg. They fix her up. She convinces Howard to break out the heavier artillery. And she also puts like one of those like arrow controlling things, I'm assuming, like a fin, like the Yandu has. I don't know if that, because then she starts whistling and she can control the arrow. So I don't know if that's what it's for. I forget. Uh, oh, and the only reason she was able to convince Howard to duck, because he's like, weapons, I don't have any weapons. But she said that uh, they would take away his liquor license if, you know, when Ronin came or whatever. So to go after Nova Prime, she's like, oh, it's too late. The code's been uploaded. Uh, Ronin, you can see the shields like opening. Ronin's ships like already entering the atmosphere. She's like, but it's not too late to join me. And then the shield starts to close on the ship and it's like starts smashing it and like blows up, takes it down. Prime's like, the code, you double crossed me. And Nebby's like, triple cross, actually. I saw Jan Rog's move a mile away, so I put my little twist on the codes. And she's like, how did you know? And Nebby like, the moment you said to solve this by any means necessary, I knew you'd broken your oath. She's like, it's over, Nova Prime. I'm taking you in, all of you. And she's like, we'll see about that. They start shooting, everything like that. Nova Prime makes, you know, goes to make a getaway. Nebby, like, shoots, you know, whistles the arrow after her. It's, like, before these doors shut. And it just, like, smashes, you know, lands in the wall. And Nova Prime just takes it, easily snaps it. It's like, I would think the arrow would be a little tougher than that. But I guess not. She goes to, like, one of those, like, Nova Corps ships things. Uh, Nebula, she manages to go after her, smashes through the window, and, and the ship kind of lifts off. Nebula's yanking at the controls the ship crashes down they fall out and then now uh nova prime's like hanging on the edge so nebby like reaches out to her and she's like you know take my hand nova prime pulls out a gun and she's like why couldn't you just join me you've ruined everything and she shoots at nebula the recoil makes her fall off she's like you are such an idiot she falls and it falls forever there is no way she's surviving this it's not like the fall that nebula did it's like she's she's gone and then you see like the sun starts coming out and howard's like oh you did it whatever but so i guess since she blew up the shield and her attacker things are looking up so it's new dawn blah 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 that's the end i'm just like eh it just whatever so that that was i wasn't like overly impressed second episode um what if peter quill attacked earth's mightiest heroes this was um was a little better I mean, there's part of it, 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 it seems like similar to the first one, you know, let's try to put all these guest appearance, all these characters together that normally haven't been together, but for the sake of this episode, we're going to throw in all these kind of semi-popular people together. So it was okay. There's the little things that, that bothered me that I didn't like, but it, it, whatever. So we see something's entering U.S. airspace. There's like this orb, whatever. And it goes down New York, 1988. And young Peter Quill steps out of the orb when it smashes down. His eyes are glowing. And I was like, wait, what? The cops are confused. They're like, it's just a kid. He lifts his hand and he makes some like cars float up and they like explode. It's like, wait, what is going on? Six months earlier, so we're told the Ravagers arrived, but they couldn't bring themselves to turn P Peter over. So they raised him as drone, or at least that's how the story often goes. In this universe, 
Yandu never had a change of heart, turned him over his father, the celestial being known as Ego. Ego wanted to change the universe in his image. Now with his son at his side, he has all the power that he needed. And so then at Project Pegasus, which is the S.H.I.E.L.D. Western Division headquarters, they're monitoring the situation. Peggy Carter's there. She says that orbital intelligence retraced the steps across like dozens of nearby solar systems. All are destroyed, consumed by a wave of cosmic radiation within 24 hours of his arrival. And Howard Stark comments like, I thought my kid was a pain in the ass. And Peggy's like, Tony has spunk. So this kid has an entire nuclear arsenal coursing through his veins. And Howard's like, well, I don't know if there's a person on Earth who can stop him. And Peggy's like, not one person working alone, but a team made up of the best of our little planet has to offer. And Howard's like, are you forgetting we're in the middle of a Cold War? He's like, all that we are the world garbage doesn't really play outside of MTV. And she's like, this boy is already torn through Midtown Manhattan in a matter of minutes. At this rate, our planet won't last a day. It's like, we need help. He's like, okay, who's on her roster? So then it cuts to some girl, she gets uh, some food. And she's like, there's no vegetables here. The dude is like, he sighs. Because I, I, at first I'm like, I don't know who these people are supposed to be. He's like, the potato chips are the vegetable. So it's it's Hank, um, Hank Pym and Hope. So Howard calls him because she, she gets up and like she's like, no thanks. She, so Howard calls him. He's like, don't hang up. But Hank hangs up. He calls again. He's like, well, if you don't want to you know, talk to me, fine. But turn on the TV. Hope had turned on the TV and you can see like the the. the destruction in new york so hank tells howard he's like send a plane he's like one step ahead of you because like the house is like shaking so then hank's like hey honey you want to go to work with dad so they, they go to project pegasus uh hope is impressed she's like this is where you work he's like this is where i used to work bill foster is there in the hangar peggy arrives with you know this is king tachaka he's wearing like black panther uh, armor Winter Soldier was sent by the Russian whatever you know people, and uh, but when he steps off off of his vehicle, Peggy's eyes kind of go wide, and she tells Howard, she's like, "It looks just like him. You know, it just looks like Bucky, because he has like that bottom half face mask thing on, and it's got all uh, like the eye mascara covering his eyes." And uh, Howard's like, "There's been rumors and stuff like that," and then Doctor Wendy Lawson is there too. She's uh, spearheading their joint research into their tesseract so i'm like wait who's uh wendy lawson that's a uh, annette benning's character in captain marvel but it's like wasn't she evil or did she turn i forget when she turned evil. i just need to watch that movie again so uh they arrive by coney island peter's you know he's going through stuff he like gets this like i think it was a raccoon like a stuffed raccoon he like blows up the rest of the little little building thing the others arrive they see him on a like tilt the world and ants start crawling all over his cotton candy and like he gets disgusted and then a bunch of flying ants are swarming after him he starts running he's freaking out he goes into house of mirrors and uh black panther had set like this little laser bomb thing like all these lasers shoot out like actually slices his teddy bear and so he's like kind of trapped but then he just like blows up the building and uh king t'chaka goes flying you know across the little ways uh, Bill Foster, giant man, he puts like some big thing, like try to trap him, but then, you know, he gets like flung back. The rest are all attacking, no luck. Uh, Lawson's and her, her ship gets destroyed. More attacking. They all decide to climb into a jet. He starts pulling it down, and then lightning like hits him. Thor's there, which is like, wait, what? 
and Peter, he's he's like, oh, are you where I thought I... He's like, and Thor says something. He's like, what? And he's like, oh, I thought you were the guy from Van Halen. And he, like, passes out. So he's locked up in that... I don't know if it was it a Loki cell or Hulk cell, like the big circular um, thing. So he, he's in there. And Thor says that Jotunheim was the first to fall. Asgard soon thereafter. One by one, the armies of the Nine Realms perished at that boy's hands. Uh, this realm earth is all that remains and peggy's like well if he came all this way he must have a plan and thor's like he's like a celestial seeding ego has used them to implant his essence on planets across the universe he's like i recovered earth on my way here from a place called missouri so the seedlings are the fuse of ego's expansion a fuse that must be lit and king chaka says by the child that must be why he's here so Howard suggests they just shove it down the garbage disposal. Thor says that the seed seedling is protected by a veil of cosmic energy. Only a being of celestial origin can penetrate it. And Hank says, well, luckily we have one in custody. Then we see Hope. She's wearing like headphones she's, and has a Walkman. She's dancing to Corey Hart's Never Surrender. She has a key card. She's like going through doors, wandering around wherever she wants. And then she walks by Peter's containment thing and she takes off the, she unplugs the headphones, and the music somehow plays. Um, most Walkmans that I've seen, that's not how it works. You know, if you take out the, the headphone, you don't hear anything. But apparently her, hers does. And she's like, she tries getting Peter, she's like, sing along with her. It's like, you know it, right? But he doesn't sing. He's like, it is a cool song. It's one of my mom's favorites, or it was. And Hope's like, yeah, my mom loved it too. He's like, was the Walkman your mom's? He's like, you're holding it pretty tight. And he's like, you know, I, I would, would too if I, you know, whatever. And Hope says, she's like, you don't seem so bad considering where you're from. And he's like, well, what's wrong with Missouri? She's like, my dad said you're an alien. And Peter's like, dude, give me a corn dog, call me Springsteen because I was born in USA. And he's like, why else do you think I, I would fly 10,000 light years to get here in a ship, by the way, with no tape deck? I'm just trying to get home. And then the others hear an alarm, security breach, and containment area. So they start, you know, kind of getting ready to go. And Hank's like, he's like, wait, where are my particles? Where's Hope? Where's my key card? So Hope used the particles to make the containment thing small. She's kind of carrying it like a lunchbox. She pops open the door because it's smaller. So I guess it's weaker. And then she enlarges it. So she tells uh, P Peter that she noticed a bus stop about a mile out. So that should be able to get him where he needs to go. She wants a, and she's like, here, I want you to have this. She wants, you know, she tries to give him the Walkman. He's like, no way. It's like, that was your mom's. And Hope's like, well, it's a long way to Missouri. And, you know, she would be happy to know that I'm sharing. So the others arrive and Hank's like, are you okay? He's like, did he hurt you? She's like, hurt me? You know, Peter? He's just a kid like me, dad. He's just trying to, you know, I'm just trying to help him get home. He's like, home? Like his home world? She's like, no, like Missouri. So then Hope is seated in front of everyone and she says that, you know, they're making a mistake. Peter's not, you know, behind all this, it's his dad. And, you know, he says that he's like this weird alien space god or something. And Thor's like, this is taking too long. He's like, I will find a boy and destroy him and a seedling myself. He's like, he needs to face Asgardian justice. So Foster's like, what does that mean? He's like, he's like capturing, like maiming, whatever, some stuff. So Foster's like, we can't let you have him. We need to study him. And it was Winter Soldier's like, we need to kill him. And Hope's like, <gasps> he's like, he's a threat, even without the seedling. And Thor's like, he does have a point. You know, as long as the boy is alive, 
this planet isn't safe. And he's like, is that why we're here? Hope's like, no, we're here to do the right thing. Peter deserves your help as much as anyone. And she's like, you want me to tell you where he went? You have to promise me you'll help him. You know that's what mom would have done. So he's on the bus. Eagle's like trying to talk to Peter. He just like turns up the music. So back on Eagle, whatever his planet thing, he's like, Kurt Russell's like wondering why he can't connect with his son. Some like computer or something like says the ship's log said it was inter intercepted and uh, whatever it's on earth he's like well then i guess i'll have to finish what he started myself so on earth the seedling in a jar thor picked it up he sits in his jar starts glowing and he's like it's awakening it's master nears so they think that they can um get the two celestials to fight each other because you know it's like step out of the way and let the enemies destroy each other or something like that and so Eagle's walking up to the base in the desert. He's like, you've taken something from me. I'd like it back. Thor attacks him. Eagle makes like this big column of rock, like shoot out of the ground, hits him, knocks him back. He says like, hand over to Seedling and this can all be over. And he says that he's he come to save them. He's like, he wants to grow them and change them until every part of them is like a part of him or something like that. So he makes several little rock figures like of himself, like come out of the ground they're all start running towards him peggy's like fire they start you know have all these like tanks and like guns pointed at him so they're like shooting and but there's all like a lot of these these things then eagle grows like massive like this huge mountain and they they figure that they have to get the seedling out of there so they call the winter soldier but he's nowhere around winter soldier actually has peter in his sights so peter's at his mom's cemetery so he's got him in a scope he's like about to shoot him his russian uh handler guy he's like talking to him he's telling him he's like take him out take the shot hank goes to talk to peter and you know peter says his father's voice in his head he's like he can't get it out he thought that if he went back you know he could just go back home but it's not the same without his mom russian handlers telling winter soldier's like you need to shoot then How howard intercepts he says that it's just the two of them now he tries telling bucky that he just sees a target, but Howard sees a future. He sees a potential. He's like, just like I see it in you. And Winter Soldier's like, you don't know me. And he's like, no, but Steve Rogers did. And the friend that he knew, the friend that he loved, would never take that shot. So at, at outside Project Pegasus, the heroes are all being taken and pinned down by all the little rock egos. Um, energy starts floating out of the big mountain, like going out everywhere. Howard tells Bucky to stand down. Hank tells Peter at the cemetery he's like come back with us join our family and peter thinks and then he hugs hank bucky's about he's got a finger in the trigger he stands down and then howard's like he says to hope or i think he says a hope i don't know if he said no peggy's not there but he's like i can't believe it you know 50 years later captain america's still saving my ass so but then you know peggy's still outside she's yelling over the radio that they've been compromised and she tells howard to get out of there because you know he's in that room with hope and then like the energy tendril things start like busting through grabs the seedling off off a counter and starts going back towards the mountain where where ego is they're like someone must someone has to stop it and then the jet arrives hank and peter jump out they're on a flying ant peter grabs the jars they fly by they go into the mountain ego's like peter you've arrived and you've fallen in with the wrong crowd peter's like this is my home this is my mom's home can't just let you destroy it and ego says that that's the mortal in you he's like you know in time you'll you know he's like you'll come around and understand everything dies 
except us. Peter's like, I thought you loved my mother. And he goes like, I did, but I knew that if she lived, the expansion couldn't continue. So I did what I had to do. And so now, you know, you must also. And Peter's like, you killed my mother? And he goes, he's like, look, I get it. You're upset, but you know, you don't have the power to destroy me. He's like, you're right, but you do. He holds up the seedling. He's like, Peter. He's like, with this, a little bit of you will always be inside of me. And he's like, I guess I knew deep down you'd be a disappointment. You are human after all. And this, I did not like this part. He's like, actually, old man, my mom says I'm a star lord. <laughs> so he puts his, his hands together, like makes, you know, like a gun. She's like energy at eagle. Blast destroys the whole mountain and everything. And if, if all the, the trapped heroes under the pinned rocks, they all get destroyed. So they're free. Hank gets up in the smoke. He calls out to Peter, sees him just standing there, and he hugs him. They're celebrating later. Um, Thor and Tachaka are like, oh, what is this beverage, whatever? And someone's like, light beer? So, and Thor's like, another. Lawson gives an orange cat to Peter and Hope, which is like, does she know? I don't even know what the timeline is this. And Peter's like, I'm more of a dog person. And Hope's like, you don't turn out a free cat. Oh, and then uh, someone's like, any word on, our, on Silent But Deadly? They're like, he's gone to the wind. And someone's like, should we lock our door? And Howard's like, no, I think, you know, something got through to him in Missouri. The Winter Soldier may be out there, but I'm pretty sure Bucky Barnes is out there with them. And we see him, like, standing overlooking our city. Thor thanks him for the celebration and everything, but he must go. The boy may have destroyed um, his corporeal form, but his plan is still out there. The universe won't know peace until he has avenged the ones that they've lost. And then Bill Foster's like, no invite? And Hank's like, in case you forgot, we have a sort of team thing going on here. Then Thor's like, then I suggest you suit up, team. And there's a shot of them all walking, including Hope and Peter and, and Goose the cat walking. And that's where it ends. So that was okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I was blown away by it. And I, I think, I, I mean, there, there's some cool episodes of the first season. Um, but I don't know about this. And in the third episode... This makes me want to, like, I don't know if I can watch the rest. Um, what if Happy Hogan saved Christmas? We'll see. Um, maybe maybe next week we'll talk about it. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Okay, and now the movie feature is Night Swim. So this is a, this is a Blumhouse movie. A James Wan uh, produced it. Jason Blum, they're both producers. And it has Wyatt Russell in there um, and some other people. So here's, I, I, I'm still not really sure how I think about it. I liked, I liked a lot of the movie. It's, it's better than I thought because I, I saw the trailer once, which is surprising because, uh, you know, you just keep seeing the same trailers over and over again and they really need to mix things up. So when I saw the first trailer, I was like, oh, this looks like it could be a little silly. So it was a, it started off a little better than I thought. I was like, this is... Because even in the description, it's a, it's, it's, it's a family whose backyard swimming pool is haunted. <laughs> that that's kind of sounds ridiculous. But part of I, I think part of the reason why I like... It's, it did not do well in Rotten Tomatoes. Last time I looked, I don't know if it's changed since... Um, over the weekend, but I, th I think it was like at a thirty percent, which is not great. Um, and I don't. I'm, I'm, I should check what people said, but I didn't, I didn't look at that. And the interesting thing is, uh, when I went and saw it, I didn't 
I didn't check this website. Because sometimes I'll look at, you know, the Rotten Tomato scores, depending on the movie, when the review embargo lifts, sometimes, you know, you, you the score, early scores will come out like a, a couple days before the movie, you know, before Friday. Uh, and that sometimes will change, you know, that the score can go up or down over the weekend as more review, because it's just an aggregate of all the critic scores. So it's, uh, you know, it, it, it fluctuates. And, um, like I said, the last time I checked, it was at 30%. It could have gone up. It could have gone down. I don't know. You know, by the time you listen to this, you can see for yourself. But I think, um, you know, that being said, obviously people aren't happy with it. Now that doesn't even, I don't even know what the, um, audience score is. A lot of times there's a huge difference in that. Part of what, why I like this movie at all is when I was growing up, you know, we had a pool in the backyard. And I mean, unfortunately, it was an above ground pool, which is kind of lame. You know, I remember we did have a light on there. I, I, we didn't have a light. I remember when we got that installed. It was pretty cool. But I, I occasionally, from time to time, I did some nighttime swimming on my own because, you know, it, it's not like you always have friends over all the time and everything. And, and in the summer nights, it's like you just want to go out in a pool because usually also in the you know the, the water is like warmer at night which is like really nice even though it's hot it just feels really good and even though it was like an above ground pool sometimes it'd be a little freaky when you're swimming alone because it's dark now obviously if you're in this little circular pool above ground pool and I mean, it was it was bigger than your your typical I I, I did dig the pool for uh, above ground pool it, it had a, a wide um diameter but with this above ground pool you're there's not going to be like jaws or creatures there's not going to be anything in there but sometimes it could be a little freaky when you you can't see anything but obviously i still went swimming i i guess i mean the, the, the only real danger is if, if i went swimming by myself like what if i mean it wasn't even i i don't i mean you can still you, you can drown in a puddle right so the only thing is like, well, what if I got a cramp and so, you know, there's no one there with me, but obviously I, I thankfully I, that never happened. So I can appreciate the idea. You know, there's some moments in a movie where, you know, someone's swimming in the dark and, you know, that time when you're underwater, even if you open your eyes underwater and with all the chlorines in, in the pool, it always drives me nuts when you see people opening their eyes in there. Cause after a while your eyes start to burn from all the, the chlorine and chemicals in there. But when you know, when you're going from underwater opening up or popping up to the surface, you know there's the, that like second or split second or whatever where you you have to get the water out of your eyes and you're so you don't really see what's going on unless you're wearing goggles, which I wasn't always a fan of that. And there's moments like that in the movie where you know someone's underwater and you see someone like standing at the edge, and then there's like nothing there. So you know, I I can appreciate those things the movie starts off it's 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 pretty decent for the for the most part it it starts in 1992 and there's this family to have this this pool in the backyard and it's i was a little not you know fully clear what was going on you see this little 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 girl uh her i think i i I get there's something wrong with her brother her brother's kind of sick because he has like an oxygen thing on his nose or whatever and uh, she checks on him in the middle of the night, and then she realizes that I guess his he has this favorite toy boat or something like that, and 
it's still in a pool, so she's going to go get it and not tell the parents. Because, uh, like, as she's sneaking out of her room, there is, like, someone out there going to parents, like, are you sure you don't want me to stay? And they're like, no, 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 it's fine. So it's like, maybe someone, I, who is this? At first I was like, wait, is this a babysitter? Why are they still there? But then it was probably maybe a nurse or someone helping look over the kid. I don't know. So she goes out to the pool and you know she's she sees like the boat floating there so she's trying to reach it with a the full skimmer and you know she's got it extended super long and you know she's trying to reach for it she's standing on the edge reaching for it her little bunny slippers are close to the edge and then it's like something pulls the skimmer and she goes into the water and then that's you know where you panic and stuff like that and something happens and blah 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 this is a setup in a movie so you know there's something there then it cuts to, I'm assuming, the present. So we, we see Wyatt Russell. Uh, he so he has a wife and two kids, a boy and a girl. They're they're um, moving. They're looking at this house, this like a townhouse to 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 rent. And Wyatt Russell, he has some. You know, he he at first he's like in a car, and he's like, there's something going on. And and uh, he then he as he gets out of car, he grabs a cane from the back. So he's walking with a cane. And, and we later find out that he was like a, I think he was a professional baseball player, but he's got, there's like some injury. I won't go into that. There's something going on with him. And, you know, he's ha having like kind of some motor control functions or whatever. So they're, they're looking for a place to settle. You know, it's like one level and there's all this stuff like that. And then, um, so they're, they're thinking about, about, about renting it. And then later they're like driving and they see this house for sale and you know why russell he's like wait stop so then they go to see this place and, and the realtor's like oh i wasn't really sure and everything like that you know it there's two stories and they're all stuff and this is a house from the beginning because there's a pool in the back the pool in the back is like nasty it's just got covered up and, and and everything like that long story short you know something actually happens there i won't go into that but they ended up moving there and they, they fix the place up and uh they you know put more railings and you know all the stuff like that end up working on a pool setting us all up and this is where then eventually things start to happen because then like the son goes in the pool one time and he he's he's there by himself and he hears like a, a voice he hears a, a girl calling and you know she's like like almost like in the filter thing and then he like sees something like something that grabs him because there's there's times where oh because uh i don't now i'm getting confused which part it was because uh, one of the things like what they would do is like the parent or someone would like toss quarters and then they, the kids would have to try to retrieve all the quarters from the bottom of the pool but at one point like he sees someone he's I, he i think he sees a girl and he thinks it's his his older sister but you know, when he comes out of the water there's no one there so, you know, obviously this is, if it's a haunted pool, there's something there. And it, it kind of goes from there because like the, the sister, she has a, a little night swim herself with a, a boy that she likes who's on the swim team. And uh, they're playing, which was just kind of weird because they're, they're playing Marco Polo. You know, parents are out and the boy does, he breaks like the cardinal rule. He, he gets out of the pool. It's like when you're playing Marco Polo, you can't get out of the pool and walk around because that's just cheating. But then she like hears like a whisper and it's the whatever, something, whatever's in the pool is like trying to lure her like into the deeper section. 
and and she ends up getting like pulled down on you know she something grabs her and she's freaking out and everything like that and then the boyfriend he's like wait you're only gone for a couple seconds he's like what something she's like no not not i must whatever so you know something's wrong but then the dad's like starting to feel better so they and they also they had to move around a lot because you know whenever he would get traded to another team and everything like that so they're like you know mom and dad are happy because you know mom is getting a job she works at school and the admin you know whatever so the, the kids are like we can't ruin this for you know mom and dad and everything like that and but there's there's something dark with the pool and then it starts coming out because then something else happens and they're trying to figure out like what's the, you know what is going on what what's and this is where it starts coming out like well what's the history of it and then like the mom ends up finding out that because uh, oh the, the kid said or when when he was there now I'm going all over the place when the the voice was talking to him the girl's like my name is Rebecca Rebecca Summers and and the the mom ends up talking to realtor and she finally. She's like, I found this out after you already bought the house and moved in, and I didn't want to say anything. She's like, but uh, there was an alleged incident, you know, years back, and so because there, the she was wondering, she's like, why would like no no one use the pool, you know? Because she's like, you said it hadn't been used in like you know fifteen years or like that. So apparently, the last family that lived there didn't want to use the pool because of something that allegedly happened before. And it, that someone drowned in there, but she's like, "But why would anyone not want to use a perfectly good pool?" And I mean, it it, it kind of makes sense. It would be a little freaky if you found out someone died in the in the pool in your yard. But you know, unfortunately, you know, people it, it'd be like like oh, someone got hit outside my house, so I don't want to walk on that sidewalk ever again because it's dangerous. But you know, as people drown like in the ocean, you still you're gonna go in the ocean. I mean, I'm not trying to be like. Like insensitive or anything like that, but you know, depending on on the circumstances, if if you were to say, yeah, someone died here because the pool's haunted, then yeah, I'm not gonna go in the pool. I, it'd be a little weird. Like I I can't imagine you know like moving into house or knowing someone died in the house, you know, because they're supposed to dis disclose that. But I, I I don't know, you know what what I would do in that in that situation. So it, it kind of goes from there, trying to figure out like what's going on, where. We we do get some, you know, and I'm not going to go into specifics, but we do get some information about like why, maybe why, what is going on here. I almost feel like the explanation for the the possible whatever. I mean, I guess they do explain it, but I I feel like it's it's just like it's very quick, and the person who explains it, my question would be like, how did they know all this stuff? Did they do their own research? Like, where did they get this information from? And I would almost like to know more about that. I'm not necessarily at advocating for like a prequel movie because this movie was just okay. You know, the, the, the ending to me was a little bit of a letdown. I would like to know more about that, but I don't think, I don't know if it's really necessary. So the movie, it does a lot. There's a lot of setups, like getting to know the family and seeing them move in and settle in and having pool party and all this stuff like that. So all this stuff, you know, there's there's not a whole lot of horror in, in the first, like, part of the movie. You know, there's a couple kind of freaky parts. And then it, it's towards in the final act is, like, when things really start taking a turn. So I just, with, with, with that and then, okay, Obviously, the movie has to have some sort of outcome, has some sort of conclusion. And with what happens there, I wasn't super crazy about it. I mean, it 
things are settled and there, there's it's not like a cliffhanger movie it doesn't leave you hanging you know things are answered things are decided but it's just kind of like really like that and uh it just i was i was kind of let, let down a little bit but the, the cast is great i i'm really coming around to wyatt russell and i don't know if i, I if i mentioned this during monarch you know because when he was in in falcon and winter soldier i did not like him and uh, I was telling my wife this, and, and I don't know if it was just his Captain America outfit, because, like, the helmet he had, and he just kind of looked weird, like, his jaws, like, sticking out. I, I don't know. It was just, it just seemed weird. And then, you know, we're not supposed to like Johnny Walker, you know, U.S. agent. So that's another reason I like him. But in Monarch, I, I do like him. Um, I'm assuming Shaw is a good guy. I mean, I don't know. You know, I, I, I really think he's a good actor, and, you know, he's really good there. And he's good here, but... And, and, you know, the, his wife is, you know, good and the kids are the kids are, are pretty good. You know, sometimes kid actors can be like hit or miss. But I, I think it, it's all really good. And just the, the detail with other other little things, other characters. And, you know, with like the son, you know, he's doesn't, you know, he's not quick to make friends. And he's struggling with the fact that, you know, his dad's a professional athlete. His sister, you know, she's good at, at sports too. But he's not because, you know, he's kind of awkward, you know, so... It, it 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 was it was I I liked it was you know it was good enough I there was a lot that I did like about it but then it just kind of it kind of sinks at the end it kind of flounders want 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 so I don't know I mean first movie twenty twenty four first movie in theaters you know it, oh the other thing that what kind of ruined it for me so I went you know Thursday night preview night so winter break the theater was like packed with kids. And by kids, I mean like, like young teenage, you know, preteen maybe. And there's must have been some people like in the front of theaters, like they're just like I think some people were just talking nonstop, and that it's it's really like a sad state of you know of the youth today where they're just they they feel like they can just talk nonstop. It's like is that just part of the culture? You just go to and I don't know what it is because I mean when I went to movies with my friends, we didn't talk during the movie. You go to a movie to watch a movie. Especially if you're paying, you know, 10, 15 bucks for a ticket, you're going to go there and talk. And you, you, at least, you know, thankfully, you don't get the people who, who think they're they're comedians, who think they're hilarious. There was one part where someone's like, Marco, and then someone's like, Polo. And it's like, you're you're not funny. No, just stop. No one, no one is paying to hear you. But some people are just like talking nonstop. And I, I think... That's just the the culture of people just watching TV at home or whatever, hanging with friends. Because like when the credits are going, like some people are getting up, they got like their the lights on their phone to try to make sure they got all their stuff. But it's like some people actually want to see the credits. So it was just a little bit. I'm like, oh my goodness, because usually preview nights they're not that busy, but because there's no school the next day, all these kids probably went out, and it was just like, oh. So it was a. I mean, it was a fine movie. It wasn't great. I, I feel like it would be, should be higher than the 30%, but I don't know. Maybe I just need to think about it some more. So I was I was let down. I mean, I, I would have liked to see more, and maybe, I, I, I just don't know, more of an ex. I guess, I mean, the explanation is fine. I don't know. So think about that i but i for me what i really liked is just the, the fact that i had a pool growing up and the night swimming and and there's that so we'll see <laughs> and uh but that's all we're gonna see because that's gonna be the podcast for this week 
So big thanks to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They are big supporters of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanformheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones here or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. And um, I, what I think, I think I have one more um, X-Men to Hidden Years, uh, the final issue. Uh, sometimes talk about movies, sometimes do off my mind topics, random topics. I don't know what I'll do um, in the coming weeks, but an extra 30 minutes podcast entertainment every single week in case this isn't enough. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four. That's ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. All right, what's going to be next week? Of course, we're going to have more Monarch because I'm behind. We're going to have another Percy Jackson uh, uh we're probably gonna have echo e- echo starts up i don't know how many episodes are dropping so i don't know if i'll do any more what ifs maybe we'll see and then uh the movie feature will be the beekeeper it looks cheesy it's kind of it's it's jason statham you kind of know what, what type of movie it's going to be i i i think it looks like it could be cheesy fun hopefully <laughs> it won't be a letdown so we'll see about that um, and I think that'll be it. So we'll see. But hopefully you're having a happy new year. How, when do you stop saying happy new year? Because, you know, I, I've been going out like this past week and, you know, and I'm leaving somewhere. I had to had to drop off like a poop sample at the vet for my cat because he had a checkup. And as I'm like, happy new year. I'm talking to someone else, happy new year. Because I think it's, it's just a good, you know, it's trying to spread the cheer and be upbeat and positive. But there's got to be a point where, okay, you got to stop saying happy new year. Cause you know, we're a week into the new year. Is it you still, I don't know. So I hope you're having a happy new year. Hope you're doing well. Um, if you're going back to work, like I have to hope you're ready for that. I hope you are taking care of yourself. Hope you enjoyed any time off you had. And I hope you remember to be good to each other. <laughs>